This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. New message. Hey, girlfriend, it's Carol from Jury Duty. We never actually spoke, but I saw you ordered the same hoagie as me at lunch. What are the chances? Anywho, I heard you just got a boat. We should totally grab some hoagies and take it out for a spin. When you get a boat, you also get new friends. Make sure Progressive's one of them and get coverage today for as little as $100 a year. Do I want to feel the wind in my hair? Guilty as charged. (laughs) Seriously, let's ride on your boat. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. On August 25th, I'm the most brutal, vicious, ruthless champion that's ever been. The most anticipated original series is here. You may know Tyson. You're the heavyweight champion of the world, young, rich, and black. But do you know Mike? The minute you get too big, they gotta cut you down. Starring Trevante Rhodes. I'm I am Mike. And Harvey Keitel. They'll love you as much as they fear you. Now I'm really gonna have some fun. Mike, series premiere August 25th, only on Hulu. Hello everybody, welcome back to another edition of That Meal Podcast. Hope you guys are doing well. I normally introduce uh, Neil and Mickey here, who are both of me today, but instead I'll go straight over to our two guests today, our very special guests to do an end of 2020 review, I suppose we call it, you know, a whole preview of the whole 2020, everything it entailed. Welcome Kai from Mill Fan TV. How are you doing, Kai? Very good, thank you. Thank you for having me. Not a problem. And also, drive home fame, Mill TT, Tony Thomas. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm all right. Thanks very much for inviting me. Drive on fame. And it's a, it's a review, not a preview, just to say. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So I'll correct myself there. But yeah, and obviously I'm joined by uh, Neil and Mickey as always. So yeah, I mean, what we'll do today is we'll just, we'll, I've obviously sent everyone some notes and there's little bits and bobs obviously we'll, we'll discuss today. But I thought we'll just start from the beginning and just talk about how we felt 2020 has gone as a whole. We'll go through the months. We've got January to start off with, obviously. A month where, you know, if I remember back to last season, Gary Rowett was coming in a couple of months in charge, a bit of, you know, good energy around the place. I mean, it 
kind of felt like, especially starting the season, uh, starting January with three one win over Luton, a three 0 win in the cup against Newport County. Things were starting to kind of tick along and carry on from December. I mean, Kai, I mean, what's your memories of January as a month overall? And what do you think of, you know, back then, your kind of expectations? Um, I was really pleased with the start of January, obviously, uh, the 3-1 win against Luton. But before that, obviously, we've beaten in Brentford as well. So it was a nice end to 2019 and a really good start to 2020. So it was a really nice start and um, four really good results um, up until the 18th against Reading, which we drew 2-0. Uh, we, we beat uh, Reading 2-0. Obviously followed two defeats, one in the cup, one in the league. But it was a it was a good start in January. I agree. I think when I look back at that, I mean, Tony, I think, you know, Rowitz brought in a couple of players in that window, you know, Woods and Bennett arrive. Woods especially, I know he's, you know, flat to the sea, probably you could say the latter part of twenty twenty for some Mill fans, but there's a lot of optimism around the place, weren't there? There was. Um and it, you know, I disagree with the Woods thing, Ben. You, you're right. Some people do think that um, he's disappointing, but I, I think he's been one of our consistently one of our better players and a player with class. But I, there was optimism around the club at that stage. You know, Gary Rout had turned you know our woeful form at the start of the season um, around. We, we were we were picking up points, picking up wins, and it looked because I think we were quite a, a you know we looked organised. You know, and that's something that we've really looked like under under Rowett. It's been testament to him. We look organised and, and then our creative players going forward were making good decisions. And that's tailed, that tailed off towards the um, latter end of the season and then obviously the latter end of, um, of this year as a whole because our creative players were just making wrong decisions in the final third. At that stage, it looked like we, were go- we could score goals. Um, because even when the, you know the, the game, the last game is that that month away at Leeds, we looked dangerous when we went forward. Obviously, we looked far and broad at the back, but we looked dangerous every time we was going forward, and that's kind of tailed away. We've become a little bit uh, the defensive mindset's crept in month by month this year, and 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 we've got to the stage now where we're very defensive until we we turned it around the last well the last month of the season, but last month of the year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you're right. You know, away from home especially has been a obviously a huge plus of 2020 and I, I was doing a little notes obviously beforehand but I forgot about the Leeds game obviously being 2-0 up at half time and then chucking it 3-2 defeat I mean Neil what do you remember from January as a month and what kind of you know stands out as a main kind of talking point from that month and talking point well yeah it started off well I think as everybody said well we look to be flying all of a sudden we go into an FA Cup tie against a Premier League team they put out a reserve team, I think, didn't they at the time? Am I wrong? In I think this? they made a few changes. It was supposed to be changes, and it kind of went tits up for a few weeks, didn't it? Uh, Leeds obviously two nil up there at half time. You'd have kind of thought that we'd at least get a point from that good team. Threw it away, and I don't know if that affected us. That had a little knock-on effect for a little while. No, of course. I mean, I look back at that month, obviously, like I said, with a couple of signings, TT's right up the goals. And it was obviously, I think maybe the cup game might have been a distraction, Mickey. I mean, you know, we're saying obviously that was the loss that kind of, but I suppose the turning point was that Leeds game, I feel like, the 3-2 defeat. But was the cup a little bit of a distraction? Did it kind of hamper our form, especially at home? Because I think after that, we didn't win at home for a long while after that. No, I think you're right. I think, you know, we did start to take a form in it. I mean, the things I can remember from January, which seems like a lifetime away is that we could travel away to football games we could go home to football games and we could go to the pub before and after the game we could even go into a restaurant and have something to eat before or after a game um you know it seems as if 
you know, we're talking years ago when um, when things were very, very normal. Um, but no, I think the the Leeds game we were unfortunate there. We we were leading, and obviously we get pipped at the end, and it's always not good to be beaten by them. Um, after there, we started having shit. You know, the Sheffield the Sheffield United, I think, hit us confidence wise, um, and then. I suppose really coming in after there, we it, COVID starts coming in, then it the, there starts to be everything with COVID in the February side, and then obviously March it really hits. But no, I think um, I think there's a few things to go back to January four. I mean, obviously Bradshaw and, and that, but yeah, I mean Woods and Bennett arriving was great, um, but you know my views on Woods, so we won't go there. Um, I think while he's not in the team, we look like a completely different team, and he looks like a result. So, uh, so yeah, we're, we're I want to give TT a right of reply here because I feel like I'm very on the fence about this whole situation. I think was played poorly, people say, but I think the whole team played poorly. So, I, I, you know, I, especially later in the season. So, go on, TT, you can have your right reply for that one. <laughs> Mickey, you absolutely you know nothing about football, Mickey. Come on, um, Woods for me has been playing too deep, but that's how we've set up. Um, Absolutely can, agree with you. And and he can only play the balls around him if, if he's got the movement, and he hasn't had that. And I think that we changed formation, and it coincided with the fact that he dropped out of the team. But I honestly believe if you played the 4-4-2 formation with him in it, we're going to look a, a far better team because there is no better ball-playing midfielder, I think, in the league than, than Ryan Woods. And I think that he, I, I, I've got into debates on this on, on Twitter, but creativity wise, if you get him in and around the box, he sees the runs, he sees the movement and he has the skill to be able to pick people out. So if we just need to have him further forward, it's all well and good people going, well, we isn't getting further forward. Yeah, but that's because he's being told not to get further forward. If he's allowed a little bit more freedom um, to, 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 to be further up the pitch, he has the ability to, to find our, you know, he done he done it at the um we'll get onto it, but he done it so well against in the Cholton game where we won one nil um after he resumed, where he found like a little chip ball from from the edge of the box and he and he found the run in from, from Wallace who missed the missed the shot, who missed the chance. He has that ability and no one else in the team. And and I think not many other players in the league have that ability. He's just not being played in I know he's always been a deep a deeper line midfielder, but I think Given the fact that we need creativity in the final third, he has to play further forward, and that's where I'd play him. I agree with you. Yeah, so he looks a lot better with Jason Malumbi alongside him. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That was going to be my and, talking point when we go on yeah, to March and stuff. Guy, yeah. If he comes back, if Malumbi comes back, as is being rumoured, in January, I think you might get that Ryan Woods back. I hope we get that Ryan Woods back. To be quite well, honest. You also need, you, like you said, not just Malumbe, but you need legs around it. Because if you're expecting your, one of your central midfielders, especially if you're only playing a two, to get further forward, then the, then one of them is going to have to go up for up and down the pitch a lot more. So they're going to have to... That's why even Malumbe or Billy Mitchell, who is coming back from, from injury, has that ability to be able to box the box, clear it up and allow Woods to stay a little bit further forward so he's not burning himself out. I think we I just think he will be a 
revelation if we play him further forward. I, I, I strongly I, believe that. I totally agree with you. I think the problem is, is that he's tucked up too deep and he doesn't, you know, he, he can't have his creativity and he fucking hates running back. He wants to be able to stay out there and get ready to get the ball and run and do something with it. I fully agree with you. But in the position where he's playing in the formation where Gary's playing him with, you might as well not have him on the field. Because he's like a, a petulant teenager, do you know what I mean? He just he doesn't want to run back. He doesn't want to do this, do that. He just wants to be able to do something with a ball. And the position where he is, he ain't doing it. And while he's there doing the position what he doesn't want to be in, he's pointless to the club at the moment. In that in that position, playing him there, he's fucking pointless to us. We might as well put someone else in there who can do the job. Well, I think the pro- if to, to go on to that it, with. The fact that this is going to go out throughout the whole months and we're going to explain it to a little bit more detail. But the fact is we're playing a back five. So he's receiving the ball with five players. He's receiving it on the edge of the box nearly, but five players deeper than him. So he's got only one or two balls and it's only a ball to distance. And, and because of our centre-backs are not that comfortable at receiving the ball, even though they've got slightly better, he's, he's left with very few options and he is too deep. So when you play that five or the three, five, four, two, one formation that you want. You need your midfielders to push up a little bit more. Otherwise, everyone's back. And that's what we've ended up with. And we look so defensive because we've got seven defensive players that are in the line of our box and we just can't get out of it. I think you're spot on there. I think that's, for me, what the real issue was there. I mean, the form tapered. We, we was raving about Woods. We'll get on to Preston away, you know, later in September. But, you know, he, he's chipping a ball over a player in his own box. People are loving it. You know, then he sprays it out wide and it's like, what a player, but then he's making mistakes at home to, uh, away to Blackburn. That's costing us a loss there. So it's, it, I, I get the argument for it and I get the argument against it. I, I'm more kind of thinking the team was poor. It's not just Woods' fault for that when we was on our 10 minutes run. But we'll get on to that. I think I'll give a quick shout out to two departures in that January window before I move on to February. And that was McCarthy going on loan to Wickham, who we never saw again in the middle shirt, which was, I guess we'll give him a little talking point because, you know, he didn't play any significance really that season. But I think it was a shame, really, we never got to see him kind of get an opportunity, Kai. I mean, you know, Romeo held down the right back position and rightly so, probably, you know, Romeo is, you know, quite consistent in that position. But McCarthy just never really got a look in, did he? Uh, no, he didn't. He did get a game uh, against Newport, actually, when we won 3-0, um, but he got taken off for James Brown. Mm-hmm. And actually, I thought with the, the uh, only James Brown, he played 10 minutes at the end, but I thought James Brown looked probably a better player than Jason McCarthy did and he played 80 minutes. So... Uh, he made far too many mistakes that day, but I, then again, it could be match fitness. I do remember that game, actually. You're right. I think I do remember him coming off as well late in the game, and I kind of felt like the right was on the rule at that point. And yeah, it was a shame, Tony, wasn't it? I mean, he's obviously a good right back. You can see that, and he's got a bit of pedigree. I think he was at uh, Southampton as a young kid, then he went to Barnsley, but maybe just for us, wasn't going to work out. He didn't gel straight away. He didn't gel with the dressing room. He didn't gel with the ethos of the club. And yeah, he, he didn't really get an opportunity for, in its team, but he was always going to be behind Romeo and never really, um, whenever he was given a chance, never really done it. And I, I know you've only got very small um, captions where you can see what he did, but he never really looked to me championship level. He's never really played at this level. Um, and I think that, you know, I, I agreed with the purchase at the time. I thought that he, you know, he had, you know, dead ball, you know, he looked like the ability to be able to, to put in, but uh, he, the, his all-round game didn't really have the pace that you need at a championship to play at wing-back. Um, and so he was. I, I think it was right that we let, we let him go back to Wickham. And, that, and that's, um, 
I, I don't think he'll he, he won't he won't play in the championship for long. I don't think. I think his characters. I don't know. I, I know we say a lot about a Mill type player, but I think he he wasn't really the kind of perfect fit for the squad as well. And as we said there, and you know, I think he got told to stay away from training, for example, when he came back in the summer months. So unfortunate. And one other departure was Tom Elliott going to Salford. Now I wanted to hey! mention Tom, I wanted to mention Tom <laughs> Elliott because I was watching a highlights video today of Sheffield United away a couple of years ago, where Tom Elliott's winning every single header in the opposition box, but they're not going in. They're not hitting the target. I was thinking like so much promise when he first arrives. Cause I thought, Coy is a four, four, two Neil Harris playing it. Just, it, it was terrible, weren't he? I mean, what do you remember of Tom Elliott, Kai? And what, what do you want to say of his middle career? <laughs> I remember being, as you said, optimistic when he first joined and he, and his first couple of games, he looked quite good, but he never really, um, he, he never, he, he never properly showed his probably full potential, but going back to Salford, I don't, going to Salford now, I don't think he's done much there since he's gone I don't there. think he even gets a game, to be honest. Uh, so I was about to say, I don't, I don't think he even gets a game. So it just shows, you know, he's not championship quality and well, yeah, not at all. I think um, I remember him scoring against us when O'Brien scored a volley at Wimbledon. And like, I think Tommy got the second, the equaliser in that game. I remember thinking like, he looks a handful and he was a handful that day, but I think League One, League Two is probably a bit more realistic to his level, I suppose, Neil. What do you reckon? He's completely out of his depth, to be honest. He came from AFC, no history. And he should have stayed there, to be quite honest. Yeah. They're complete and that's a waste of time signing. Anchor. I liked him. I felt, I felt sorry for him when he first said... <laughs> Can I finish, Mickey, before you start abusing <laughs> A lot of calls at the time were like to give him a chance over Morrison because Morrison was ageing and we was a struggling side. Oh, and then you get, he gets his opportunity in that struggling season afterwards and you're thinking, yeah, let's, let's just let's get him out and hopefully someone else comes in. needed more faith. Budget signing, yeah? It was a desperation signing. And to be quite honest... Like a lot of Neil Harris's signings were at times, yeah. He rolled the dice on him when really you 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 want to be looking up, not down for your players, yeah. Well, it was never going to work out, never going. Yeah, what's he doing? I, I remember. I remember in one game he'd done a like I'd done a Cruyff turn on the uh, on the halfway line. I started running towards goal and and we erupted like he'd scored. That pretty much summed up. Um, his all-around game. He just was never cut out to 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 play at the level that that we play at. It's just that you know, his... Zach, my boy was uh, put it better. You know, he was so happy to see him go. He thought he was absolutely useless, and he doesn't normally get many things wrong, Zach. So um... that was that was his best career career move ever. Yeah. Um, you you had so much you had so much wish that Elliot would come on form. I mean, when I say like, oh, I thought it was all right. You just had that something where you were wishing that. He had a few good little flick-ons and a little, you know, you could see why we why we wanted to buy him because of his size and his presence and all that. But some days he just turned up as if he, you know, he might as well have been wearing a tutu in the on the fucking field because he just wasn't that big butch player what he was in in realistic, you know. And and some days he just didn't use his power to his advantage. But if he did, he he could have been a great player for us because. He could have he could have really fitted into the Millwall way, but I just think that was he really keen on being a football player, or was he just interested in taking the money? The one thing that he done really well was the the equaliser at Leeds. Leeds away, you beat me too. Leeds away, yeah. yeah. make it three three, yeah. and then he, good celebration. We were up, and then obviously we go on and, and Jed Wally scores the winner. That's that that one moment he should have retired from football at that stage because he's never going to get higher. 
you literally in my mind there, I feel a bit worried that it's, it's totally mind reader as well. But yeah, I thought, honestly, I agree. Like, you know, that was the one moment where I think it was against his boyhood club as well. And you're thinking like, it was superb for him. I think we'll move forward though, it's February. And I think we'll talk about obviously the games that we had there. We had seven games, only one win away at Preston. A happy hunting ground for us, it seems in recent years. Um, I kind of read it as early signs of form dipping at home. I remember in the close season before we had Derby, like all the close season, the bit where we had the break from COVID, you know, people saying the home form's not been too great. We're struggling at home. And it was early signs of that happening there. I think we didn't win a game four at home, but I feel like there were four difficult fixtures at the time. You know, you got West Brom, Fulham, Birmingham, Bristol City, you know, tough games. And we only lost one of them, which was to eventual promotion candidates, West Brom, Kai. So what do you reckon about that? Um, I remember looking back and I remember and trying to I remember them. Um, I think we probably should have won. We should have beat Fulham, Birmingham, and Bristol City. I remember there was, uh, I think Jeb missed a penalty against Fulham. That if he scores, we probably win the game. Uh, Bristol City. I remember we should have had a penalty in the last minute or something. That was the last ever game that I went to since COVID. So, and then Birmingham. I remember we we bullied them all game and we probably should have won that one. So, it's fine margins again, like it has been this year. Too many draws, um, but we're not quite able to turn them into wins, and that's where. We were let down last year when we're not making the playoffs. And, and this year, that's where we're being let down. That's where we're in the bottom half. Early signs of lack of firepower as well, Tony, isn't it? I suppose if you look at it, I think only three goals all month. Well, the perfect way of putting it, the month was summed up by the 91st minute of the first game of the month where J-Bod is put through at Hillsborough. Mm-hmm. He's running on the cop and he finds the back row of the cop. Um, a game where we've created chances. Like Kai said, we created so many chances in that month and we just did not take them. Funny enough, we the, the, the first and only game in March, we turned that around. And um, But I think that's Matt Smith. We started playing to Matt Smith's strengths and he bullied that game. Uh, he didn't play enough in February. It's, it's funny that the chances were falling to Bradshaw, who was at, that kind of started his out of form, um, falling to J-Bod, who... It isn't great quality, certainly not in terms of the finishing. It's not his strength. And that, that whole month was, was was summed up by not doing enough in the final third. Cre- still create, I still felt we were creating chances, but just not taking them. And and we, that's that's kind of followed on for the rest of the year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I remember the Sheffield Wednesday game. I, I remember being held an escort 20 minutes late into Hillsborough. Always good away there. And it, was, it wasn't a great game. I remember it being just kind of, you know, we had a couple of chances. And then that chance right at the end, I, I could just remember looking at Bud Martin thinking, like, it wasn't a, an amazing opportunity, but he was through on goal. And you, you expect him to at least have an opportunity to get on target. And I can remember at the time thinking, that's him done for us, I felt like. I, I know that sounds really silly to say, but the reaction from us in the, in the stand at, at that time, I just thought, early signs of him not being you know not going to make it so to speak after obviously half season so far with us at that time I mean Neil what's your memories of February I mean the one win came at Preston Sean Hutchinson I think was a header wasn't it um what do you remember from February well I mean yeah it was that long ago not very much apart from the fact we turned into the country's draw specialist <laughs> I think like everybody else has said lack of your yeah, lack of finishing summed it up really didn't it <laughs> Yeah, we couldn't finish a Toby Carvery, could we? Uh, well, we were in every game. I don't think anybody really outplayed us, maybe apart from West Brom, even though I'm struggling to remember that game. That was a honest. poor Sunday Sky game where the, rain, the weather the weather yeah, was terrible yeah, that day. Yeah, yeah, I didn't even get to it because I was coming from Eastway and the A13 was all shut off and everything. I couldn't even get to the game that day. So, yeah, I just remember watching it on Sky thinking this is terrible. Like, it weren't it's a great day. Our month, really, didn't it? It's mm. a, 
instantly forgettable month to have. Uh, yeah, well, I think, as everybody said, well, we've had chances to win every single one of those four games, didn't we? Mm-hmm. We didn't, and we didn't take them, and that's just really sums us up. I think it does quite well. I mean, Mickey, got anything to add for February? I think I want to touch on Nottingham Forest in March. That's probably the, the one highlight of my of 2020, to be honest, the, like the biggest highlight anyway. But go on, what you got about February before I move on to that? No, no nothing, no, nothing really, I suppose, nothing at all. Um, it was a quite a I'm not really remembering month, to be fair. Um, no, I've got nothing, but yeah, get your bingo cards ready. I was mentioning Nottingham Forest. <laughs> What, 299 days since I lost all my all play, you mean? Yeah, well, I mean, it hits me hard, especially this time of year, to be honest with you. It's, it's been so long since I've seen him play, but what a away day that was, honestly. It had everything about it. Friday night on Sky, away at Nottingham Forest, always a good kind of place to go to, you know, just a perfect away day. And if anything, I suppose if that's the last time I've seen me all play, it's, it's, it's a nice memory to have because it could easily be thinking about both Arsenal missing the chance at Sheffield Wednesday and that sticking in the memory. But, I mean... Matt Smith scoring a hat-trick Kai against Nottingham Forest. I thought at the time, we're going to kick on here if football continues. I really did think that. What do you reckon? Yeah, I thought exactly the same. It was a brilliant first half, first half display, wasn't it? But do you know what? After the Leeds game and, and how we threw that away, I was still thinking at half-time, like, I don't think this game's over. Luckily, we parked the bus and we, we won it. But, you know, with, with Millwall, we, we always seem to let the other team back into the game, don't we? But luckily with this one, we didn't. It was a brilliant win. They played against us a bit like how... Who did we get turned over 3-0 by first? Uh, Middlesbrough uh, recently. You know, we played that day 3-0 up, second half, Tony. We just kind of <laughs> saw the game out professionally, didn't we? From the start of that game, we looked completely in control. Um, and there's very few very few times you say that as a Mill fan. But we, the intensity of the first half was matched by the defensive intensity. Because what's, what seems to happen is teams, when they take a lead... They, fit, they get the defensive mindset, so they sit back. But you need to keep the same intensity. So the closing down, the pressure on the ball still needs to be the same, whether you're sitting back or whether you're, whether you're attacking. And that day, we got it bang on. You know, Forrest did have more uh, possession of the ball in our half, but they didn't really create anything. You know, Bart wasn't put in, pull, in the pulling off save after save, tipping things around the corner. You know, they had two or three half chances, but nearly everything else was in front of us. Uh, outside the box and because obviously what we want as a, as a defensive unit what we love is for teams to be playing the ball into the box and Cooper and Hutchinson and Pierce and, and Bart coming to collect it just absolutely clear that up all day long and that's what we've done in that Forest game um, I, I spoke funny enough me and Kai were on a Forest podcast recently and um, I, I just remember the game because it's one of the only times in my life where I, I physically could not celebrate the third goal I was so wiped out from goals one and two that my chest was just uh, just exploded. I just I'm I was like cheering, but there's nothing coming out. You know, I was just so excited. Mm. Um, I had my daughter Layla with me, and we just we had you know it was just such a great like you said. If that was going to be the last game I ever got to watch live, then what a flipping game because we just it, it, it was the best of me all the best of our atmosphere. We we sung fantastically well. Um, we're getting stuff thrown at us from above, you know, Forest fans in, in the tier above. And it's just a perfect, no one likes us. We're taking this on and, and it was brilliant. It's just the passion that day was was fantastic. I agree, mate. It was unbelievable. I think I, you always, especially when you go to the boys, you get the shout around five, ten minutes before the, the half's over. Who's going to get the beers in? I was like, you're, you're stupid if you're going to miss the rest of this half. Like, just 
everything we was touching seems to turn into something, you know, a goal at the time. And Smith getting a hat trick as well. I mean, cool. That was, you know, all three goals, Malumbi V celebration. Like, I just felt the day as a whole was just perfect. I mean, Neil, I mean, you know, we've had that huge high, nine games to go. A lot of the teams were in the bottom half of the table. I don't think there were any many playoff contenders for the rest of the season. Could we have kicked on? I think we could have. Well, funnily enough, I've actually booked a ticket to see the Derby game, which I think was the week after, wasn't it? To welcome Mr Rooney to South East London. And, sorry, who does too? I think Mickey just put in the chat. Yes, I went, Hooters, I went Hooters pre-match, loved every second of it. That's part of the experience of Nottingham Forest away. Then you go beer keller in the evening, you're singing your heart out on the beer tables till three in the morning, get kicked out. McDonald's is open 24 hours as well. That's just a, a carbon copy, rinse and repeat of Nottingham away, I'm telling you. Yeah, but to go back to your point, yeah, no, I think that it was looking good, wasn't it? We were on a high. Then, considering that we'd only looked, yeah, we'd, yeah, we'd lost what two of however many by then, hadn't we? And Smith's hat trick was probably the high point of the year, to be honest. There aren't many better, are there? And Rooney was going to come down, so everybody was talking. I think everybody was confident. And then this shitstorm happened, didn't it? And they cancelled everything, and it's just not been the same again. Obviously, 299 days since you last saw Millwall, I think it will be up to about 350, 360 days by the time we're finished. Unthinkable. I, I really do think that. It's like, I, I do, I, it's hard to explain it. Like, everyone here is all like minded as myself, you know, Millwall is part of us, you know what I mean? And to explain it to people that, you know, don't understand our football club and don't understand just following a football team in general, like losing, having the access to go for so long. I know, Tony, I'll come to you on this one. I know we don't really discuss beforehand, but I know you're quite passionate about the same, similar to me and you've spoken about it on Twitter. It's just, it's a huge miss, isn't it? Like just not having that Saturday to go to the football with your family, with friends, all around it as well, just the whole day. It's irreplaceable. There is nothing that... Um has the same in, in my life you know p- plenty of people have accused me of being I, i've never taken drugs i'm a bit boring uh, i drink plenty but i've never taken drugs at, because i don't need it you know football millwall the the emotion and feeling that you have when you're there um and it, it, because you go through the complete spectrum of it you know you, like you said you the the times where, where whether you're with friends family you're experiencing it all together and it, it can't be re- it, it cannot be re- replicated and i just love the I know that every every fan of their own club feels like their fans are different and they're special. But because we have a bond and a unity at the, at the Den, it's at, because we've got that no one likes us attitude. When we do so, when we win 3 0 at Forest, no one wants us to win 3 0 at Forest. Everyone's like, oh, bloody hell, they've gone. And, we're, and it just makes it so much better. And, and, and just being able to, for me, shouting at the ref, you know, giving in my two pennies worth or. Getting in the getting in the ear of of the opponent's right back who's who's down by by the uh, by the side of me and making a difference and and, and Zach will tell you I still try and do it when I'm sitting on the um you know sitting down watching it on iFollow which you want to throw something through the TV because it's so frustrating where it's glitching and people it what it makes you appreciate is what you know what going to four matches really gives you and. I, and I, I feel, and that's why, and, I, and I've spoke to Kai about this actually when 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 we were doing something recently. That is why when you 
fans from all around the world support Millwall. And they love this content. They love it because we still get to go. We still get to experience it. And that's them, when they listen to our passion and, and what we they can st- they still feel like they get to go by listening to us. And that's, you know, however far away from in the world you go, you still want to be back there on the terraces, in your seats, watching your team, because nothing ever replaces that. Sorry, I'm going all day. So I'm no, I, I'm the same, mate. I even, I've, I do a little blogging and I, I wrote something today that I'll probably write in the next couple of days. Just just sitting there and just typing and just rambling about it. And I, I could go on about it for hours as well. And it's like, I feel like people that don't follow football don't understand it, but it's just the whole day of it. And like, I ain't seen people for 300 days now that, you know, they're my friends, but they're my middle friends. You know what I mean? They're the people that you see on a Saturday on the terraces you say hello to. They're people you bump into when you're in the pub and you have a drink together on an away day or whatever. It's like, there's still people that you know that I count as friends. It's just that obviously I've not seen them for that long now. It's 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 more than just the football itself, and that's the underlying tone, isn't it, Kai? It's it's, it's more than just being there to cheer me all on. It's you know there's more to it. Definitely, that's uh, it's, it's something that I won't take for granted ever again. You know, just turning up uh, our pre our um sort of our tradition with the, we we go all my cousins come and then my uncle, and my dad, and everyone goes, and we um we go into uh, block forty first, watch the players, you know, shoot a goal, and then. Go up, the, go up to block 12 but um yeah it's it's um I've missed it so much I mean at school I get told off for talking about Millwall too much and football in general really but um yeah I'm absolutely I miss it so much and just when it comes back it'll be absolutely brilliant and I'll never take it for granted ever again I have to agree with you mate I mean let's fast forward it a little bit you know we're having a few months of Mill doing throwbacks you know West Ham Mills on TV 4-1 Mother's Day Massacre they're putting it out live to everyone to watch. All the season reviews going on YouTube. People are just, you know, we we had a little podcast highlight of getting, they, uh, we had Gary Alexander and Dylan on, on the show, Paul Robinson and Mike Calvin doing the family book. We're all throwing it back. Eventually, mid-June, we get the football back, you know. Players are back trading and we then welcome Derby County to the den. We lose 3-2-0. You was meant to go to that game. What's your memories of that one? We played like a bunch of cunts, didn't we? <laughs> And for yeah, well, we let a fucking albino child fucking score at trick against us. That's what I fucking remember. We were fucking absolutely fucking shocking, weren't we? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, welcome back, Millwall style, really, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. What can be said? We played like an absolute fucking drain. Don't hold back, Neil, will you? No, I won't do, Nick. I don't mean. Yeah, yeah it is, fella. From you, mate. Yeah. Yeah, it was just a Millwall way. You were Kai and uh, Tony were saying about the emotions, and that is the emotion of following Millwall, isn't it? I think everybody was so ramped up, so excited that Millwall was back, even though you couldn't be there. You had to watch it on iFollow and things like that. And we played like an absolute bunch of cunts. I, I, I agree with you there. I think we did, and I think a lot of that was potentially around the fact that I don't think players were fit. I don't think, you know, with everything going on that they weren't fit and everything else, which I'm glad that obviously we'll be coming to Charlton in a minute. I think that game just gave the players that we've got to win this. If, if you don't, then you're in trouble. Um, Derby, I think Rooney just controlled everything there. He was just, he was just sitting off, getting balls, flicking them onto players. And we were just being, we were just being taught a football, you know, we were being taught and it was like an exhibition game or a Rooney testimonial, do you know what I mean? He was just getting that ball, flicking it to players and they were fucking all over us. We 
we were we were being embarrassed by it. Don't forget Matt, Matt Smith, Nutmeg's ruining that day, though. So let's yeah, not forget yeah, it. Yeah, and what people forget from that day is we actually went 1 0 up. And yeah, I, yeah. I remember watching it, for, you know, getting it all set up on I followed the foreign at the time feeling to it. And then we go 1 0 up. I think Leonard played behind Smith that day. We played 4 4 1 1. I was thinking, I kind of, I think Bennett couldn't play obviously against his parent club. So, like, we couldn't play the same team as we did against Forest. But I felt like it was there for us to, you know, the onus was on the players, you know. 3-0 against London Forest. We've got Fable running fixtures between now and the end of the season. It was I feel like the gauntlet was laid down to them tone a bit and they let us down a bit, I think. I'm gonna say the players let us down, I feel like. They did, and and the reason why I feel like I, I, I touched on earlier was that there was no intensity. We we just dropped back, sat back. Um I think one of those it's one of those games where we took the lead too early and that gave us the, the wrong mindset and we allowed um, you know the tight, you know, because obviously Louis Sibley had a, had a very good game. Some of the goals that he scored were excellent, but there's no way with fans in that stadium he would have been allowed to get the time on the ball mm-hmm. that he got because we just wouldn't have tolerated it. We would have been shouting and screaming. We'd have been telling him, you know, get on him, like ruin him, you know, trying to make the kid cry. We just, you know, it it was a perfect kind of thunderstorm of crap that was going to come with out having fans there. And obviously our, our home form was struggling before then, but it was only going to get worse without us there. And it was a perfect epitome of what was going to ha- happen afterwards. Because, you know, like like um, Mickey said, you know, Rooney just controlling the ball, no one crunching him, no one, and, and no one putting him under pressure. And that's not what we are like at home. And if, because we don't have the players of the skill set that a lot of players have in the championship that we come up against. So we make up for that with the intensity work rate around it. And we just, just did not have that in that game. And don't get, we lost by one goal, but it weren't, it weren't a one goal defeat. You know, it felt like we'd lost five, like we did about four years, five, four, five years ago, we lost five nil to them at home or five, one home. It felt like that. And it, it was a terrible way to come back into football. Also, sorry, sorry, Omar. Also the worst bit was with that game is that we've been looking forward to it from June the year before when the fixtures come out. June the twentieth or wherever it was the year before, wasn't it? You know, twenty nineteen or whatever. We 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 were looking forward to that game. Rooney's Rooney's coming down. We're going to fucking ruin him all across Twitter, all across social media, forums. Everyone was looking forward to it, and then this bastard COVID kicks in and then stops us from being able to abuse um, Shrek. And you know, and unfortunately, um, he got like Tony said, he got control of that ball with no one. There. Do I think he would have behaved like that? Do I think we would have got the win if we were in that ground? 100%. I think we would have won that game because we would have absolutely unsettled Rooney, regardless of his experience and his, you know, his experience of playing in various teams and various crowds. I think we would have unsettled him that game if we were there. Yeah, that would have been a full axe and people would have been hanging off the sides like always happens at a Millwall full axe. The atmosphere would have been up. Yeah, Rooney would have been taking dogs abuse for his indiscretions in brothels with grandmas. Yeah, and it would have been a proper evil Millwall atmosphere. And there's no way that that child would have got one shot on goal. No, what? Yeah, but let alone score for. I reckon. I reckon that if we were being in that ground, and I and I put it now, and I reckon it would have been. I reckon someone would have had a banner saying, "My nan says hi, Rooney." Yeah. <laughs> 
it would have been it would have been carnage and it i think that's what kind of you know the sour feeling throughout was like if there was fans there i really did feel like i mean mickey we done a when we started to amp this podcast up a little bit in june time now i won't encourage people to go and listen to them predictions for me and mickey but i i, I always i whenever something's got positives happening a glimmer of it i, I go to the sky of Mill and i remember it and i, I thought nine games and I remember Mickey you even asked me the questions are we going to win or draw win or draw I think we ended up with like seven wins and two draws we was going to go undefeated and we was going to be in the playoffs and I was like this is it it's going to happen and I really did feel that and even so the rest of the month a nil-nil draw away at Barnsley 1-1 at home Swansea I think uh, Bennett scores and gets injured that day and we're thinking you know we're not getting any break here we're not going to get any opportunities and Swansea I think equalised late on that whole month as a whole was just such a letdown, wasn't it, Kai? Like, you know, June June was going to be the time we come in and kick on and Mills going to get promoted without, without fans being there. You know what I mean? That's, that's what I felt like. Yeah, absolutely. I, I did think, though, that when you were going back to fans, the fans uh, talk about fans, is that not only does it affect our players, but it, it absolutely, um, you know, affects the other players because they're coming to the den thinking, well, I'm not going to get abused. It's probably the one time I'm not I'm going to come to the den and not get any abuse, not get any, you know, no no singing, no, no atmosphere that Mill will create. And there they play with no fear, and then you could see it. But the the schedule we had in June it looked pretty pretty. It looked okay, apart from the Swansea game. The Swansea game was always going to be tough, but Barnsley obviously with our run against Barnsley was never sure about that one. But I thought we could maybe change that around. But after the Derby game, I was I was feeling pretty negative. But we did all right towards the end of the season. And had we have beaten PPR, we could have made it. That's unbelievable, isn't it? Despite yeah. that winning in June, if you look at that, who had a chance? If you look at June, though. Um, two massively same incidents that ended in two different ways against us. You know, the Barnsley one, Fergie had the free kick outside the box. No, Virtually no chances created in that Barnsley game. Fergie had a chance, a uh, free kick outside the box, hits the underside of the bar, goes down and bounces out. In the game against Swansea, we're, um, I think we were winning one, one, we were winning one nil at the time. Ray and Brewster. Brewster hits the underside of the bar, hits, uh, hits bar and goes in. Mm. And you're like, you know, that's massive... You know, at that stage, if we picked up two wins out of those two games, we're on the crest of a wave. Still after the Forest game, we put the derby to bed to say it was a one-off. All right, we were terrible. Um, we've come again. We've had the best chances in the match. But unfortunately, when you and, and this is Ted, like this is what happens under Gary Rowett. If you don't create many chances, you, when you don't take them, it's a very nothing game, and, it, and it, it, you end up feeling really dejected by it. And and but those two, those two, I think they they were massive at the time. Fergie, what, either one of them incidents incidents don't happen, or both of them happen in our favour rather than against us. And then six points from the first nine point, uh, the first nine available, and you're thinking, here we go, we're still here, we we can mm. do this. Because sure. the, the, the results, we're going to move on to July. The results in July actually went, they were going quite well. You know, we mm. were winning the close battles. And um, it was so it, we were close. 100%. What I, actually, what I can remember about that Barnsley game is we could have still been playing now and we wouldn't be fucking scoring, would we? No, no. that's true. It was probably It was probably the worst game of football I saw this year. There, there was just absolutely nothing in that game whatsoever. It was boring. It, oh, um, <laughs> yeah. Well, Should we trip yeah, ourselves up? Yeah, I'm just about to slice me wrists. Yeah. Well, let me cheer you up when I say um, marauding central defender playing left side of a back three in the six yard box to tap away 
and win us a London derby away at Charlton, Jake Cooper. Wow. I mean, what's your memories of that, Kai? I mean, I couldn't believe it at the time. Obviously, I was jumping around the living room screaming. I, I, that game itself was a bit of an end-to-end kind of affair. And I really felt like, especially with the poor June we had, they're going to do us here. I really thought like Charlton was going to beat us this year. They're going to yeah. stay up as well. And that's going to be the game that helps them kind of have the revival, so to speak. Yeah, it was one of them ones, wasn't it? Because 2020 had already been awful as it was. I could see I could see them beating us. But that was the only thing that's, that stayed normal in 2020, isn't it? The mill will beat Charlton. <laughs> but, um, but other than that, there's been nothing normal. So I could, I could definitely see them beating us. And um, they started really strongly, didn't they? Um, I think their, their, their strikers had a couple of good opportunities. And, and Lee Bowyer said after the game about their strikers, and he just, I think his quote was something, it's, it's not good enough. Because mm. Paulie Bomb really should have scored against um, Bart. And yeah. you, it was that moment that you felt like, okay, this we're going to win this. But but still, yeah, without fans there, I did think that day they were going to beat us. We was going to win it, Kai, but of all people, Jake Cooper in the attack, joining in on the left-hand side. What, what's he doing there? Well, first of all, I was I was watching Mahoney, obviously, because Mahoney had, Mahoney had the strike. Mm. And then, yeah, Cooper followed up, and, and I, I didn't actually realise that he'd scored until... He was he was celebrating because I thought he'd gone over the bar. But <laughs> <laughs> once I realised, yeah, I was going nuts. But yeah, I was really pleased with that win. It was it was a good way to just to sort of yeah um, get us back on track. You can also see how much Charlton really didn't want us to lose that with the fact that three of their defenders got yellows on there as well, didn't they? Two of ours did as well. I think Billy Mitchell got one, didn't he? And, and Jason got one. Um, but you could see that the Charlton just. The thing is with beating Charlton, what makes it even better with beating Charlton is the fan reaction afterwards. And social media just melted because, you know, there was cheating this and that and everything else. And and it was just, they just hate losing. They're just not good enough. They're not really a rival either. Um, you know, it, it's, I love the fact that, you know, in, in the entire lifespan, put it into perspective, in the entire lifespan of Omar... And Kai, Charlton have never beaten Millwall. Well, I think it's 95, isn't it? That we lost them. Or was it night? Was it 27 years or 25 years? What's the number? I'm 20, 24 years this okay. year. 25 years. So, so I was one. And it was the snow game, isn't it? Where they beat us at the den. And it was the game where there was snow in and the Red Bull was out, I think. If memory yeah, 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 I'm yeah, not yeah, I remember think, it. I just, right. I remember seeing They even didn't beat, we even played them at Upton Park and they never beat us there either, did they? Well, do you know what, yeah? That game is my Millwall moment of the season. Lee Bowyer nearly crying on national TV. What a fucking moment that was. Because he couldn't accept that they'd just been turned over by a central defender side-footing a ball into the net from five, six yards or whatever it was. Yeah. And he was trying to make every excuse under the sun, wasn't he? And it just wasn't going to wash. Little old Millwall go down to the spotters, and we and we hammered them. Yeah. What was what was what? the time? Oh yeah, that was it. Ninety five, wasn't it? Ninety five minutes. Yeah. And Boya and Boya nearly breaking down on national TV. <laughs> what a fucking time to be a Millwall fan. Get back through our Twitter account from from that day and see all the Bowyer videos and everything else oh, mate, and all the meltdowns. Superb. Yeah, well, it was superb. And then you've got that Charlton fan channel, yeah? He was almost suicidal, wasn't he? 
We dug him right out. Well, to be fair, that, that that was my my last in, because obviously the big thing about uh, that that Charlton YouTube channel, I think his name's Tyler Rawlinson. Yeah. But obviously, it's, you know, he, he makes Kai look like he's twenty five. You know, he's a teenager scratching his spot, Sackney, as as obviously Matt Smith scores the winner um, at the den, and he and he said, "Well, that's three points that are going to get keep Mirwall in the division." The irony that Jake Cooper. The irony that Jake Cooper scores the goal because if they'd have drawn that game, they would have stayed up. There you go. And so, <laughs> you've got to play. You've got to play his clip. You've got to play that clip in Omar because that that, that is just I'm that sure is the best bit. It. Oh, but it's so fucking funny so, though because so we, we've just, abused you know, him. He's scratching his spots and he's crying, and that's a bit, and it's just typical because to be honest. Uh, Cholton are not rivals. They are never have been rivals of Mill. They never will be rivals of Mill. However, every game now, I really don't want us to lose that game because because you don't want the run to because it, it to be fair, it means so much more to them than it does to us. But the more it goes on, the comedic value of him scratching his spots and watching as we once again. And we want, you know, the singing after that Matt Smith goal, you'll never beat the Mill, and to be able to celebrate the, um, obviously to celebrate the Jake Cooper, you just think it's, it's, you know, just think of how it must feel to be a, for a second. You know, every listener that's listening, just think for a second how it must be to be a Cholton fan to once again watch a centre back who's up there and he buries it into the top of the. In, just feel how that must feel when you're never going to beat that reprobate club from down the road that always seem to just win a more aggressive and want it more than you. Oh, it just must be really hard. And I feel so sorry for them. I think especially yeah, just imagine for... being a Charlton fan and you've a club that has spent their entire history living in the shadow of Millwall. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think Charlton fans will have that for one second. No, they won't. We were they, in the Premier League. One second, yeah. We were in the Premier League. I know. Yeah, Alan I know. Day. Fuck if they were in the Premier League. Yeah. <laughs> they, are, they are an absolute fucking nothing non-entity. Yeah? They, yeah, yeah, well, I'll go as far as to say they're more useless than Katie Price. You're obsessed with Katie Price. Let's let's move on from this one anyway. I think, look, one thing, I think the results and the history against Charlton, I think that has, I think it has value to Charlton fans in the sense that we both say we don't care about the game, but we do really. And I think if if Charlton had got a couple of wins over us in the last couple of years, then they might count it more as a bigger game than what they say it is, I think. And the fact that they keep losing these games against us, I think, going to hit home. Well, this is it. Like, especially in the last 10 years, I don't, I think Charlton and Leeds are probably the two biggest games we've had in the last 10 years, like League One days and Championship days. Charlton and Leeds have just always been a constant in that fact. So what about Millwall, Omar? They only had to draw with us to stay in the division. Only one little draw against yeah. poor, old, poor old little Millwall. And they were 30 seconds away from getting oh. the point they needed because, well, that's, yeah, but let's not make any bones about it. They were going to get in the Premier League. Yeah, and Lowell Taylor would have stayed and everything, and they yeah. would have just gone to the Premier League again. <laughs> just one yeah, thing. They wanted to get into the Premier League. They never beat when, Millwall. Yeah, when that uh, yeah, when that geezer took over, that crooked solicitor or whatever he Allegedly, is. allegedly crooked solicitor. Unco, his friends, yeah. In Roland, we trust. Yeah, because... <laughs> 
that, yeah, but let's be honest. Yeah, we are there. Game cut. <laughs> no, that'll we stay. That'll stay. Cup final. I agree. I think we'll, we'll, I'm sure that we're, when the chat will eventually resurface one day in the championship, I don't know when that's going to happen to be honest with you. I'm sure we'll rekindle that rivalry. It would have been so much sweeter if we got promoted that like last season as well, wouldn't it? Beat Charlton twice. Charlton ain't going to play us a long while at that point. Oh, never mind. It is what it is. Let's talk about the next game after that. I mean, we won't talk too much more about July because we know how it's ended. Mill don't make the playoffs. But after the Charlton game, there's still a glimmer of hope. Neil Warnock comes to town in the Mission Impossible job he had at Middlesbrough. He's halfway there already. He does a job on us, beats us 2-0. What's your memories of that one, uh, Tony? I mean, bloody hell, like, any was, glimmer? Um, a, a, not as bad as the, as the um, obviously, game we just had away at Middlesbrough where we were just abject. You know, the worst, the worst performance I've seen for years. But it was a game where we weren't at it. And that's, you know, we cannot afford to drop our levels. And we did that. You know, quite honestly, Neil Warnock said had his boys at wanting it more. And they, they basically wanted it more than us. And, 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 you know, because after that, you know, we go to Hull who are terrible, by the way. They were, they were after losing Jared Bowen, they were the worst team in the league. And Leonard scored an absolute wonder cracker from, from 35 yards out to, to get that. But, and it just showed you we can afford to be off, off our level slightly as long if you take one of our chances because of the way we defend. As long as we defend with intensity, we didn't defend with intensity in that Borough game. We just didn't want it as much as they wanted it. And, and quite rightly, they got three points that day. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it was Fletcher that scored late on in the second half. And I think, you know, Millwall came to town and done a bit like how we've been playing recently with the five at the back and just done it thought, you know what, we're going to stay in this game and we'll take our chance. And they did, fair play to them. I mean, we'll go, go on to the, the other disappointment from that month. I mean, let's not gloss over the three wins that we had or four wins in that month. You know, we beat Hull 1-0, we beat Blackburn 1-0. Still a slim glimmer of hope, Kai, as we go to Loftus Road and we lose 4-3, don't we? What a game. Yeah, it was a great game, wasn't it? It was one that um, you wouldn't expect with the Millwall way of sort of conceding very few and scoring very few, but it was a really weird game. Obviously, Mason Bennett goes off, I think, off about 15 minutes, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think at that point, we, I think QPR have, at that point, they had abundance of pace. You know, they had so much pace as a, um, actually, I say something we didn't even play that day, but they still had so much pace. And with Bennett playing, I think it would have forced them back a little bit because they would have known, had they come at us, they would have been, they could have got done in behind. Um, but obviously Bennett going off and Bob Barson coming on, it just allowed them to even come at us even more because they knew that whatever whatever space they left in behind, they could catch Bob Barson on that side. So I think Bennett going off was a was a massive um, was massive that day. But yeah, disappointing defeat, and it obviously ended up um, ending the playoff hopes. I don't think we ever led that game, did we? I think it was pretty sure we were chasing a lot of the time, and I think we got at one point three one down. I think Hutchinson got one back to make it three two if memory serves me right, and then. They've made it 4-2 and it kind of all she wrote. I think Malumbi got consolation right at the end. He's first legitimate goal for the club. I mean, yeah, it was just, it was it was the hope, wasn't it, Tony? Like, you know, we still had that little slim, slim glimmer of hope at the time, didn't we? Millwall. Yeah, it's, you know, the epitome of Millwall. Mm. You know, when we've got it in, we've got it in our hands. It was close and we just, far too often in our history, we just don't quite make it over the line. And, you know, the same happened with the, you know, the, the return of Tim Cahill and the Fulham home game where we absolutely batter Fulham um, for the first half. We go in and then right on right on half time, you know, they they score and, and, and our playoff dreams are smashed. And it was very similar that day against QPR. We just always looked second best because let's face it, we are not a good enough squad 
to get into the playoffs. And that's how it felt at the time. You know, I think actually, and we'll move on to the summer signings, I felt with the additions that we've made, if we'd have kept Malumbe as well, I think we would have, we are a better squad, but we just weren't good enough. And, 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 and it showed that day, you know, we were just getting opened up by a very quick mobile QPR side. And it kind of, that doesn't mean that if we made it to the playoffs that we wouldn't have got, got to the Premier League. Cause you just never know with us. We, if we, we can grind out results, but if, if it's down on talent and it, and it's an open game, we're very, very rarely going to come out on, um, on, on top of that. hundred percent. I mean, that's it. I think, you know, it's when we're riding the crest of the way, so to speak, anything's possible, but the realism of it is, and this is why it hurts for last season that, we're not gonna, then chances don't come often. You know, we had that, you know, the, the late surgery run under Harris, like you said, when Kale came back. But it was such a golden opportunity, I feel like, last season. And for us, unfortunately, it didn't go the way we wanted it to. I think we closed the season with a 4-1 win. Conor Mahoney, I thought, played a good game that day, if I remember rightly, Neil. I mean, you know, we closed the season with a 4-1 win. A bit of kind of, you know, a sign of things to come, hopefully, in the new season at the time. Mate, I don't give a fuck about that 4-1 win because <laughs> I was still... Fucking, I was still fucking depressed from that QPR game. That QPR game, the hope, the expectation, as others have said, it encompasses everything what it is like to be a fucking Millwall fan. And I don't often get depressed at defeats and I don't often take defeats badly. But that QPR game knocked the stuffing out of me for about three days afterwards. I feel like, yeah, ultimately we finished two points... Yeah, you might have just have stopped the fucking season. I watched that Huddersfield gang, but I couldn't tell you one thing about it apart from their shit. It was a damn yeah. squid. It was a damn squid. Nothing to play for, game. Yeah. So it was just, it was just the hope, wasn't it, that we could have. It would have just been the Millwall way for us to have sneaked into the playoffs, and then gone and fucking won, and with nobody there to be able to go and watch them. It would have then, been. It would have been. Then we'd have been in the Premier League this year. And we still couldn't have fucking gone and watched them, could we? It, it, it was just it was just the Millwall way. And it's just so it's just so deflating just thinking about that QPR game. I think the part and it was a QPR game and a couple of games straight after lockdown, what we could have won. And we didn't. We just didn't do what we needed to do. We could have sealed it out fairly easily and been um, in that position. But you know what? At the end of the day, I'd rather have not been in the Premiership now. I'd rather, you know, get our shit together and have a good season this season next, and, and push towards there and get in there with fans being able to go. Because not being able to go to the likes of Liverpool, Chelsea, Spurs, West Ham, etc., no fan base would have just been pointless being there, especially if we didn't really stay up for another season. It would have just been, it would have been heartless. It would have been a massive anticlimax. Even though I reckon most fans probably would have gone to to all those towns where we were playing him. But um, yeah, we, it was there for our taking, but did we really want it? Um, because I, I don't think anyone would have been able to take on the actual glory of of being in the Premiership really. I hate the logistics. Sorry, Tony. Just one second. I hate the legitimacy of that argument, right? And I understand your point of like the fans not being there, so that was a big loss. But in my lifetime, we've come close. I think three times to the playoffs in the in the Premier League. Like you can't pick and choose your moments. You know the whole like try again in a couple of years time. 
if that might not happen, but go on, Tony, I'll, I'll let you go. I, I was gonna I was gonna say that, and that along the same lines, because with Millwall, you know, we're not a team that's gonna, you know, guarantee to be in the championship, never mm-hmm. mind it, it like challenging for the premiership. We are as likely, and, and we'll go into what could happen this year. If we go on a bad run this year, we get relegated to League One and, and the premiership is 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 a long way away. I the one thing I do agree with, obviously it would have been like horrible to only be, you know, for the fans that go. It would have been horrible not to be at the stadiums, not to have that atmosphere, not to have Liverpool there, not to be able to, to enjoy that experience. However, the financial footing that it would have enabled us to, to put us on would have, you know, would, would have been, you know, it would have been so amazing for us to be able to do that. And, and like you said, both you and Kai, although I was young, I've, I've seen us in the top flight. I've, I've, I've you know, I would... I remember it as one of my earliest memories of of Millwall is is being in the top flight. So, it, you know, you, you you can't throw away that chance. And we've, you know, the we we've got close, not as close as as some, but we we've got close. You know, the Birmingham playoffs, and then obviously more recently we've got close to the playoffs. But but we haven't had we haven't had you know we haven't had championship level strikers to score us the goals to get us up really. And we also and 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 now we haven't had the the squad because this through the lockdown we haven't had the squad to be able to challenge and that's really where we've suffered. I think that brings me on neatly to the summer window because we're talking about transfers and the players we've got. I mean, we had a couple of departures that you know, Aino O'Brien left the club finally. You know, obviously it's not really worked out for him so far but looks at it on the face of it on Sunderland but you know O'Brien leaves obviously someone that came through the academy the same with the likes of obviously like I mentioned Balloonby gone McCarthy went full time and then we make a few signings Scott Malone arrives Bennett arrives on the permanent deal you know a bit of optimism so to speak there Kai isn't it Woods extends his loan deal Troy Parrott arrives in SC16 as well you know on August 25th I'm the most brutal vicious ruthless champion that's ever been the most anticipated original series is here you may know Tyson you're the heavyweight champion of the world young rich and black but do you know Mike the minute you get too big they gotta cut you down starring Trevante Rhodes I'm I am Mike and Harvey Keitel they'll love you as much as they fear you now I'm really going to have some fun. Mike, series premiere August 25th, only on Hulu. Your work technology should help your organization run better. Monday.com is an intuitive platform designed to help teams of all sizes work better together and maximize results. With Monday.com, you can easily customize your workflows to fit your team's exact needs and create automated updates to keep everyone up to speed in real time. Experience the power of a single platform that replaces your costly tech toolbox and the headache that comes with it. To start your 14-day free trial, go to monday.com. There's a bit of optimism going into this season, isn't there? Definitely. I think it was a pretty tidy window. Um, I think getting Ryan Woods back was uh, was quite a popular opinion. Um, you know, him signing on the first day of the transfer window was lovely as well. Sort of a nice surprise. I didn't actually expect that. Um, Mason Bennett, obviously, I think we always knew that was coming as long as we could get the, I think it was something to do with the price down. Um, so that, that we always felt that was coming. But Scott Malone uh, was an interesting one. I never expected that. Uh, it was quite a surprise. And then Troy Parrott, obviously, arriving as well. We had high hopes for him, didn't we? But he hasn't meant, he hasn't um, so far lived up to them. But hopefully he stays second off the season. Hopefully he can. I think he was unfortunate with Parrot. Obviously, he had you know, I think a few goals in pre-season. I think he scored a nice little chip against Southend. I think you know that I remember seeing the highlight on Twitter. A lot of optimism, wasn't there, Tony, at the time? Kind of thinking we're going to kick on. You know, 
And we start the season with a cup game at Crawley, score three goals, albeit against Leeds with opposition. But it was a nice little opener to things to come, I felt like, at the time. I, I felt that we, you know, we strengthened in the summer, but we still had, we what we didn't do was get rid of the, the average players in the squad. You know, we still had players that were never, are not, they're not championship quality, in my opinion. So I was optimistic, you know, you know, I, I thought Parrot was going to be so much better than he has turned out to be. You know, if you Premiership loans, young Premiership loans can go one of two ways. They either hit the ground running like Brewster has done um, and, and got his move, or they, or Parrot, you know, getting injured obviously didn't help him. But he, whenever he played, he never, I never, I never saw him take a game by the scruff of the neck. I never thought he dominated a, a, an opposing defender, and and that's what you want. You want to get, you want someone to come in and really do that. And, you know, I, you know I've said what about uh, Woods and, and how happy I am. Benny, fantastic, but he, he's, you know, he's a sick note. You know, he's far too happy to not play than, than he is to play. And then and the third signing, obviously, of, of Scott Malone, who he just seems to me a little bit of a headless chicken. You know, he runs around the pitch a lot, and but he seems to be running around in circles. He doesn't have any kind of direction a, a lot of the time. And defensively, he's, he's being asked to do more than I think he needs to be asked to do. If he was played more as a, a, a kind of a, a winger rather than a defensive player, we'd, we'd get more out of him because he's, the defensive side of his game was always rocky and it's not changed since. I think it was a bit surprised to see him arrive. I think... You know, you say square pe- square pegs in round holes, whatever the, the saying goes. I think Malone just ticked the box. You know, it was kind of like if you start the window, I, I felt like in that position we needed a, another option to Wallace. And in that sense, you know, Malone, it's a sensible option. Is he going to commit to a permanent deal afterwards? I probably doubt it, but it depends again on how we get on this season. So then the season kicks off, a nil-nil draw at home against Stoke, followed by another cup game, then a first away win of the season, albeit in a very fortuitous way, the way the goal came about. But September ends in a positive note, I suppose, in a sense, you know, like we're thinking, here we go. But then we have Burnley in the cup and then Brentford, which is also a positive, I felt, draw at the time, undefeated in September. Maybe, you know, things started to slowly click, I suppose, at the Brentford game, I felt like at the time. Neil, you know, we we gave him a good game, I felt like at the time. For a team that everybody was predicting we're going to walk the league this year. I know they lost a couple of very good players in the in the summer transfer window, but 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 we stood toe to toe with them, didn't we? We yeah, we gave as good as we got, and it summed up our month really. We had a pretty good month. I think we won away at Rotherham, as you said. Uh, yeah, but a lot easier with no fans in. I think yeah, I think it's benefited the away yeah the away team not having fans in grounds. We were brought down to earth at Stoke, weren't we? Stoke at home, couldn't score. All of this, everybody was, yeah, well, I was really excited by the signing of Troy Parrott. You've seen him come through the ranks at Spurs and you thought, well, wow, well, this could be a game changer. This could be the goals that we need to get, that we were missing at the end of last season, that could have turned the likes of Barnsley away into a win and and Sheffield Wednesday away into a win. And, yeah, yeah, we just weren't outplayed, were we, in that year in that Brentford game? I thought we looked the better side. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I think, you know, it could have been... I feel like we should include... I know October is a new month, but 
I guess the blocker game, so to speak, we had that disappointing defeat then against Swansea before the international break. And like, after the optimism of the Brentford game, like I mentioned the Rotherham game, we was lucky to win that because, purely because their defender messed up and Jed Boyce is through on goal one-on-one, isn't he, Tony? I think, you know, that Swansea game on the other hand, though, I don't know, it felt like it was kind of the only consolation to come from that day was Bradshaw get his first goal in nine months. Well, that, like I said earlier, that Bradshaw, Woodvarson, um, anyone other than Smith, really, any of our forward players other than Smith, um, just haven't scored goals. And I, I agree completely with Neil. You know, the signing of Troy Parrott excited me. Um, I really felt like he was going to come in and start making waves, and he just didn't. You know, I know the injury, I say again, the injury just held him back, but um, we just don't take our chances. Our decision-making in the final third, because so much is left to, to Jed Wallace to, to create, and, and, uh, and it really annoys me when Jed gets uh, stick, because if you see the amount of like goal-scoring chances that he scores, uh, he provides... He's up there in the top two or three of the of the whole championship. It's not his. I know that there's probably three or four times in a game where he does a, like the wrong thing, but he's crossing into the box. His delivery, his his movement is so good that it. You know, I think we we get to the stage as Mill fans where we just want to blame everything on 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 a player and, and say you're not doing this or you're not doing that. Jed Wallace to me is definitely one of the best. I don't think he's Premiership quality if, if you ask me, but what he brings to this side and the chances that he creates, we just need a striker to put them away. And that's what we got with, you know, the end of October, we got Zahor in. And I thought, here we go. Like, here we go. You know, Troy Parrott coming back, comes back from injury. We got Zahor. We really could start doing something in a championship because we, no matter what game we've been, most games we've created two or three chances, three or four chances. And, but, a, 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 a front two that are able to move or a front one that's able to get around the pitch because that's unfortunately what Matt Smith doesn't do. We want to be able to press, but you can't with Matt Smith. So it really hamstrings us in, in our decision-making and, and how we set out the team. But um, yeah, it was it's we're, we're always going to struggle having to play Bradshaw and Budvarsson up front, even though, to be fair, in the last couple of the games, they've, they've, they've raised their levels. I think they've had to, I think with the run we've had, which we'll get onto in a bit, but you know, yeah, you mentioned October. I think, you know, we had the international break and I felt like it came at a good time. You know, we kind of had a block of games. The Swansea defeat was unfortunate, but you looked at them fixtures coming back and, you know, if I felt like if we didn't win them games, then you get an indication of where the season's going to go at the time. And we beat Wickham 2-1. You know, I think Smith scores that day, doesn't he? He was, he had, he was instrumental in both the goals. And, you know, then we played Luton at home win 2-0. And then we have the 1-1 draw against Barnsley, but, Let's put a bit of context to that. You know, Rowett's not in the dugout. His first game isolating at home after I think he tested positive for COVID. And, you know, it was the kind of testing thought of what's, how we're going to do without him. But Pearson Williams take the throne and away at Preston North End when the rest of the coach staff isolate. So Hall scores and then he gets injured. I mean, Kai, like, you know, couldn't break, you know, if, you, if you're looking at it analytically from like, if someone looks at it far away and doesn't have the emotion of Millwall, you could probably say Rowett is really unlucky with the signings he's made getting injured that, you know, he, he knows the same as us, what's different makers he needs. They get injured all the time, don't they, it seems? Definitely, absolutely. And I think that that one against uh, Preston, against uh, Kenza Hall, um, since Parrot's come back, Rowett said uh, a number of times when he first came back, he said, we need to start off by giving him 60 minutes and we'll go from there. Um, and I think with him not in the dugout that day against Preston, had he have been um, in the dugout, I don't think Zahor gets injured because I think he gets pulled off earlier. 
You know, I think Pearson Williams will probably get a little bit excited. He looked very good that day. Um, but he comes off, I think, 75th minute. I pro he probably should have come off 65 minutes, probably. And if he does that, you know, he carries on. But, I, I, you know, you can't blame them too much. They haven't got that experience. But, you know, I think had Raul been there that day, um, I don't think Sahor gets injured. Hindsight's everything. I agree with you. And, you know, like I see it, you know, Paris injured, Sahor comes in. It's unfortunate for, for him, Raul, and Neil, isn't it? But end of the day doesn't really explain why the form slumped the way it did for the rest of the year but we've played uh, Huddersfield lose 3-0 the last game of Pearson Williams in charge what a weird defeat that was that was awful wasn't it mm -hmm. we just <laughs> we just didn't look we just looked like strangers didn't we and uh, Pearson Williams they just didn't have a Scooby out to change it did they they were just stood there they yeah they looked out of their depths to be honest as managers it was I think we caught Preston at the right time. They couldn't win at home for Toffee, could they? And we went up there and we did a number on them. Absolutely smashed them to pieces. Yeah, well, they, yeah, we did to them what Huddersfield did to us. I suppose if you I can't think... win your, uh, if, I suppose if you get turned over 3 0, there's nothing like a good 0 0 draw afterwards at Norwich City to follow up to kind of show encouraging signs, don't I? <laughs> yeah, well, you can't complain at that Huddersfield defeat because we just, we were just, outplayed weren't we for 90 minutes and, and yeah we just yeah we can't make an excuse for it okay you can say that Rowett might have been able to have changed things around he might have but judging by the Middlesbrough game he probably wouldn't have done he'd have sat on his ass making notes at his fucking seat for yeah for an hour and then decided that we might as well yeah no I might as well do something about this I think it was a it was a tough bringing down for Pearson Williams. You know, I can only imagine that coach journey home after Preston, everyone buzzing, you know, Wallace talking after the game saying he'd done, he'd, he'd done the performance, you know, everyone put a shift in for their teammates, for their friends, for their colleagues, you know, and I can imagine that bus home being so like, you know, energetic and excited and thinking, you know, that, that's superb. I can't believe we've done that. And then they got brought down to earth, don't they, Tony against Huddersfield, but I suppose that in a weird way, you can see why exactly why that happened, can't you? You can. And and uh, Neil said it perfectly about the, the lack of management experience on, on the sidelines. It It's one of those things where it can't be replicated. You know, it's all well and good. That Preston performance, they could rally the boys, get them G'd up, get out there and, and give everything. That that only takes your team so far. Um, because as soon as things don't start to go the way that you want them to go, it's then having the ability to change them. And we just didn't, you know, uh, you know they were better than us. Huddersfield were better than us. And sometimes you, you have that. Championship um, teams, when they're on song, any team can beat any team. And, and, and it's, it's how you, you bounce back from that. And I felt we did actually really well, you know, moving on to the, to the game straight afterwards. We, we pick up, um, a, 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 I wouldn't say a well-earned point at Norwich because Norwich definitely deserved all three points. But you walk away from, from Carroll Road thinking we got a good point there. And what we just didn't do for the rest of that month is the games where... We were on top. We didn't, again, we didn't take our chances. We didn't win. And, and, and draw after draw after draw, after those five draws, which was was unbelievable. What you, you know, the draw is very good if after the draw you get a win. If after the draws that we had, you then get, you have a couple of defeats, it, it makes those draws look really, really poor. And that's ultimately what ended up happening. I think after, I think even by the time the Birmingham game came along, the fifth game of that month, you know, five games unbeaten, I suppose, Kai, is a good thing, though. <laughs> but by the time that game came, uh, game Kai, uh, came, Kai, I was thinking, 
just even if Burnham scored here, I just want to see a goal. It, it just it was so boring to watch, wasn't it? I was thinking like five games of this, it's hard watch. Yeah, that Birmingham one was was especially boring. I thought uh, Reading and Cardiff were, I guess, slightly more entertaining. Um, you know, I, I I do think we probably should have won um, two, maybe two or three of them. But I think we should have definitely been Reading, and you know, apart from a Scott Malone mistake, we probably beat we beat Cardiff as well. Um, but then again, you know, we could double our lead against Cardiff quite a few times, and then obviously Bob Barson misses that late late chance. But by the time Birmingham came, we just looked um, draw was a, was like felt like a defeat to me. Um, it was yeah really boring, and I felt that yeah we needed we needed a goal scorer. But uh, Parrot was starting to get more minutes, and I did feel more hopeful. But obviously December didn't start great, and yeah, it started to feel quite negative. It was horrendous though that day, wasn't it, up at Birmingham? I think if you remember, it was pissing down with rain, and it's an antisocial place at the best of times with the way they spank like this and with boomy like on side. And it's, it's it's just a thoroughly depressing, miserable, godforsaken shithole, isn't it, Birmingham? I'm sorry if anybody is from Birmingham that listens, but fuck me, thank God I don't go there that often. I remember Jeez. before the game wishing I was there, and then after the game thinking, well, at least I ain't got to travel back after watching that. You know what I mean? Like I was just happy to turn it off, go downstairs and have a beer. That's 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 all I was thinking after that. Like. That, that just it just summed up our bump for November and then December comes along a tough away that Blackburn let's be honest I think Blackburn are a good side I, I mean they I think they've struggled recently since this like the, the game's coming thick and fast but they've got a lot of attacking options and we're talking about players being you know making difference for us I mean Kai you've got Adam Armstrong Harvey Elliott Ben Brereton you know Bradley Dack came back to finish recently for them as well that's an exciting team isn't it sorry can I step in there Go on. yeah we were fucking cheated at Blackburn. Well, we're going to get on to that. <laughs> yeah, Blackburn actually weren't any good, yeah? Yeah, but they were okay. But we were cheated by the referee, yeah? I'm not going to blame a referee too often, but that cunt cheated like fuck. So Neil's yeah? going to upset Charlton fans, Birmingham fans, people of Birmingham, and now people fuck. of Blackburn and the referee I community. Think, I good on you, Neil. I don't give a flying fuck, yeah? We were denied three gill-edged, clear-cut penalties, yeah? And they weren't even... They weren't even marginal fucking decisions. One of them, he fucking punched a ball off the cunt's head. And the referee patting himself on the back after the game, thinking he's had a great game. No, mate, you're a fucking cunt. Sorry, yeah, but now uh, ask the question. Well, yeah, so there you go. I mean, I was going to get onto that. I fully agree with him, though. But Blackburn have got us. I've got a lot of strikers there that make me excited to watch them. If I was a neutral, you know what I mean? Like they play. I think like they flattered us that day a little bit. A lot of people came out of the game thinking we created chances, but I think we created chances because everyone's going to create chances against a Blackburn side that plays four attackers. Do you know what I mean? I don't know if that's just me, Kai, but what did you make of that? No, I agree. I think. Um, I think. Look at, for example, we look at Leeds in the Premiership right now. You know, they're scoring goals for fun, but they also ship goals for fun. So it's you've got to get that balance. And, and Blackburn seem to be playing like that. They're very free-flowing um, side. They score a lot of goals. They've got Harvey Elliott, who's been brilliant, I think, this year. Um, he looks a really good prospect. Um, but yeah, I agree with Neil. We should have had three, three Brayton penalties. And we actually spoke on here afterwards, didn't we, after the defeat? And we weren't right. saying that. And I, I, you know, it actually made me feel better to talk about it afterwards than... Sort of, I, I went away from that from that little podcast we had. We had that um, 
feeling um, good sort of talk about it than because I was I was really disappointed myself. Yeah, no, I agree with you, mate. And, and I mean, Tony, if things weren't going from bad to worse at this point, you know, I think it's seven without a win at this point. Struggling Derby comes to town and they get a win against us uh, just to sum things up. The worst thing for me about the Blackburn game, other than obviously the, the three penalties, is that we played well. We 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 played we kept the ball well. We uh, um, we attacked with intensity. We looked like we were going to get at them. Obviously, we create some chances, um, and then to go from that to a, a, again a woeful. You know, I, I said on my the at home with, with Zach on our YouTube channel that that was the worst derby side I had ever seen. I've never seen the derby side make so many mistakes. Just couldn't play football. You know. And, and to be fair, I got a bit of stick from Derby fans afterwards, but I think they were so happy that they were probably, uh, that they got a three points, that, that it messed their, but I just felt that they were really poor, and but we were worse. And that's that's what, what really frustrated me, is just that Derby deserved to win the game. We'd done absolutely nothing. And you're thinking, that was the, that was the real low point for me when I thought, um, don't, it did get worse, but it was a real low point in thinking we cannot be that we cannot be that bad again in terms of how we set ourselves up in terms of defensively at home. You want us to go, and we to be fair, we were better against QPR in the following game in terms of how we set ourselves up, created a few more chances, and, and QPR um, obviously we had fans back, but but you know that that was the big thing for the derby game was that the fans were there. You want them to really give everything. And it just like it just became a, a damp squib. I remember watching it on TV, you know, Let Them Come was playing on, on, on the on, on, on the iFollow. And, and I felt emotional. I felt gutted that I was not there. You know, the fact that fans had been allowed. And then after the game, I felt, although I still wanted to be to the game, I thought, what a load of shit that was. There's no getting around it. And it was terrible after. It's just typical me again, I'll say it. Just when you think everything is right there for us to take, and grasp the last game at the old den, you know, you, of all the, the score doesn't really matter, but we blow it and, it and it's three nil to them. Just when it's right there for Millwall, we just seem to throw it away. And that was, and that Derby performance in front of our home fans was very, very, very annoying. No, I have to agree, mate. And I think that's it. Like I remember watching people post on social media from the press box, you know, the, the peers coming out and leading the team out for the warm up in the Derby game. And I was thinking like you, like, oh, I wish I was there massively. And, I spoke about it many times on this podcast. So I don't need to go into that again. But, you know, the, the QPR game was a 1-1. And for that, you know, reasons affecting around the pitch, so to speak, you know, a lot could be said about that one as well. Sky coverage, we've all spoke about in the past. But then we go to Middlesbrough, nil. Oh, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm just going to say to you, we go to Middlesbrough. We have to talk about this Middlesbrough game. Well, I, I feel like it's significant because things change after that. Because we played like a bunch of fucking cunts, so it couldn't get any I work. come to you at the right time for you to have a yeah, lineup, yeah, I think. Yeah. But I set you up nicely for all the down yeah. parts. <laughs> exactly. Seriously, we played like a bunch of cunts, didn't we? Yeah, uh, terrible. That was, <laughs> that was just... And the worst thing for me was Rowett just sat there looking at it. He, he, he wasn't up getting at him. He was sat down making notes. And that wound me up more than the three goals, actually, because you want your manager up. You want him trying to change stuff, not writing some down to try and, for a damage limitation exercise at half time. Yeah, you want him to wind some fucks into him. And oh mate, that was that was just 
an afternoon best forgotten. I, I think it summed up that week that we'd had around the club, obviously, with the knee and Sky and QPR. And there was just a dampener, wasn't there, around the whole place. Like, we didn't want to record podcasts at the time, did we? I think we forced ourselves after that Middlesbrough game. And it, it, you getting it, as muddled up with someone else there? Well, we didn't no. do. It. We, we was going to do a show, weren't we? And we didn't do it in the end. So after, yeah, that's right. We, we recorded a show, and then we decided to actually we won't add to the misery. We won't. We won't put it out. But yeah, we went straight we back to doing a show in the week. We didn't do it though. He's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it's the same thing, and that just summed up that week really. That performance, didn't it? Let's be honest. No, you're it right. It was just a shit time. It was just a shit time where the media and everybody jumped on us, the results and everything else. And it was just it was just a shit fucking couple of weeks. But we're all fans for fuck's sake. Do you know what I mean? It, it is what it is and we deal with it and we move forward. Um, and one thing what we don't do as Millwall fans is because probably since Panorama 1977, the media have always had it in for us and we've always played shit and good and shit and bad and everything else. So we just go, okay, yeah, we'll have a whinge in a moment for a couple of days and then we move forward and, and 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 we forget about it and move on. It's just unfortunate that sometimes the rest of the world don't seem to forget about it. <laughs> yeah, but that lingered though, Mickey. That lingered for a week. No, yeah. I agree. I agree. It, it did linger for a week. But again, it's down to... You know, I think the PR and everything else just didn't look after it. I think everything around it was just, it, it was just a bad fucking situation, badly managed and everything else were added to uh, the negativity around it. It, it was, it left a nasty taste in everyone's mouth. Um, and, and it didn't need to, it could have been managed so much better and didn't need to go to anything like what it did. But unfortunately, as always, um, it's us, the fans, who get thrown in front of the bus. We're not here to talk about this though, anyway. We're here to talk about the football. Let's move on, let's move on to the practice. let's move on to the final two games of uh, our year, so to speak, and a two 0 victory after ten winless games away at Ashton Gate, Bristol City, four four two. No Ryan Woods in the team, and we go and win, Tony. <laughs> let's talk about that. We'll, I said we'll come back to Ryan Woods, so I feel like I'll give you the right of that one. But anyway, two 0 win away at Bristol City, mate. Hey, it was brilliant to see, to be fair, because the I felt that something had to change, didn't it? Something had to change, and I, and I don't put that on Woods at all. I put that on Woods the formation the team, change. I put it, I put it on the formation change and playing two players up front that were mobile. Both Budvarsson and Bradshaw um, were, were able to. Let's face it, Bristol City um, have ha, you know they could they could field another eleven of players that are injured. So we we caught them at the right time. Um, but we were just by far the better team today. On the on the day again, you know, if you look at how we, you know, the last the last big away win at Forest, and then you know, there's, there's quite the similarities to, to to how we performed against Bristol City. We just were, were dominant, and you know, and Kai's Kai's right. He said earlier about you're always waiting for us to concede in games like that. That Bristol City game, we never looked like conceding at all. And in fact, they were so, you know, obviously, Jeju got him, come on for, for for a couple of minutes, got himself sent off, so he didn't have to play in that shower of shit team, straight straight into the showers. And 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 we we, we dominated the game. And, and to be fair, at home to Forest, we should have really, we should have won the game and we should be, we should be on the back of two wins. But 
like what what's happened, we took our chances against Bristol City. One was a deflected goal, and you know, and um, so you take that with a pinch of salt. But the Forest game, we should have we should have done better in terms of getting all three points. And then on the back of two wins going into the Christmas period, which fortunately we've had, you know, players have been able to spend some time at home with their families, and I think it's massively important. I I really expect us now to be re- refreshed. You know, players have been at home. If football's allowed to continue, which I'm, I'm sure it would be because it's a money-making business, um, we, we've had time to work on things where, where we're struggling, work on technique and tactics, and, and I think we should come out firing. And obviously, Sahor's looking like he's coming back. Things are starting to look a little bit more rosy again after, well, let's face it, a, a run of 10 without a win. We needed a big change, and and I don't think Woods is the difference. I think the fact that we had two mobile strikers and changed the formation and changed the attitude. The players looked like they really wanted to win at Bristol City, and that's the difference. What that else? That's a proper Millwall performance, Tony, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Uh, that's exactly... We, we up and at them. Everybody was yeah. was 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 wanting exactly. the ball. Everybody, but what I liked also was that there was they were comfortable on the ball. They weren't looking to get rid of it. The amount of times that I would love to see the actual stats of players running on the ball in that game because Leonard done it when he uh, I think not, sorry not Leonard yeah Leonard done it in the midfield. Um, Williams done it on the midfield. They were all looking to run with the ball, and that's what creates space for the front two. And and it just worked really well. I actually so, said it on here. Sorry guys, but I actually said it on here where um. I think that day we had the most ball carries in the whole division, 13 dribbles forwards. Yeah, and yeah, I, I didn't notice I, that. But yeah, it, it was. Like... I saw it online and I was like, it made sense. Like players took the ball and instead of just giving it to Jeds or playing it safe and look for the easy option, it was let's get the ball and let's make a difference in this game and let's tra- travel forward and cause a havoc. You know what I mean? I think that was really obvious that day. I, I mean, go on, Neil. I'll, I'll let you get what you got to say. Yeah, but, yeah, we talk about a proper mill performance. And that was a proper Millwall performance. I think Rowett took on board that we needed to change the formation. There were people calling for him to be sacked for fuck's sake after, yeah, well, after that Middlesbrough game, as ludicrous as it was. Yeah. And we needed a proper performance and we got one. Yeah. And we kind of got one against Forest. We should have won that Forest game, but we got undone. By a dopey long ball over the top that one of our central defenders left, and the other one got muscled out the way, didn't he? Or something, and well, both of them should have got it. Both, both of them had a chance to get the ball. Hutch, it went under Hutch's foot, and but but and it ironically, Graben miscontrolled it. If Graben controls it on the edge of the box, it stops the ball going through, but he miscontrols it, which gets a little deflection. And, and but it's just after we score. You know, yeah. it was the, the, you know, all through the game, the momentum's building. We, we, you know, the first half was 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 not great. Second half, we came out, we were straight at them, create a few chances, get the goal, and then what we did, you know, you, it's the old adage: you are most vulnerable when you've just when you've just scored. We switch off for a second, they equalise, and then for the rest of the game, we look, we're trying to score again, but you know, we just we're a little bit more deflated. I was quite happy with how we reacted. To, to go to being one all because I was gutted because you're thinking you've done all that work to take the lead then you're likely to drop but we didn't we we, we created chances again after that we just didn't take them I think I mean Kai I'm interested in what you think about this one mate but Bod Fartison is the last couple of games he just looked a different player didn't he I, I feel that's significant because you know he, he missed that chance against Cardiff that you mentioned earlier and 
you know, runner games where we're drawing and, you know, he's playing up front on his own and he's not really affecting the game. But as soon as he's got pressure next to him, he looked like an extra yard of pace, especially for the for the goal against Nottingham Forest. The way he's managed to get to the byline and square it to Bradshaw just he caused havoc, didn't he? Absolutely, Bradshaw. Uh, Bob Varson had a lot of um, a lot of criticism, rightly so. After that Cardiff miss, that was really poor miss. But um, since then, he's he's looked like a different looked like a, a different player to me. Obviously, scores against QPR and and cups his ears to the fans, which probably doesn't go down very well at all. But um, you know, he does pretty well. You know, obviously he brings him on against Borough. Um, after already 3-0 down, which um, he didn't do much in that game. But against Bristol City, I thought he was thought he was excellent. Him and Bradshaw looked really, really good. Um, it's a partnership that is blossoming, and it would have been really interesting to see ha- how they would have uh, carried on against uh, Bournemouth. Um, but against Forrest, he won... We were, we were saying in... we watched, When we were watching it, we were saying how many balls he won in the air in the first half. He was flicking them on. And then the vendors, Joe Worrell and uh, I think his name's So, but they're not, they're not small. So, he's yeah, he was definitely... His physical um, game is, is definitely getting a lot better, and he looks he looked as you said a lot quicker against Forest. It leaves you wondering though, where why has it took it to this point for him to then have that sort of effect? Like, I feel like when I watched him play a pass, like especially when he was at the ground, like you could tell he reads the game, but he just plays in slow motion. I felt like, and you know, it didn't really affect the games enough, and it's good to see that happening now. Maybe with Sahal coming back, you know, it could be it's interesting. He's got to be in his bonnet. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, he's one of these players that needs to play angry. So he's got a point to prove. I, I, I feel like he, for whatever reason, has kind of gone through his mill career flatlined. He's not really done anything. And this really, you know, the criticism that he got after the Cardiff game, he suspended his, his social media accounts. And, and obviously, it got to him. And that's what he needed because he's come back with a bit of a fight in his belly. You know, like you said, he was going up against bigger defenders in so he's getting and, and Worrell muscling them out, flicking it on. And and if what he needs to do is continue that, it's no good doing it for a couple of games and then going back to be because you know it's it's funny, but the Icelandics are known for that. You know, they're very quiet people for most of the time, but when it comes to being going to war, they then have that you know that 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 ability to just take over and go mental. And that's what he kind, he kind of needs to do that. He's too placid most of the time. He needs to have that fight in his belly the whole time. And, and it'll be interesting to see if he can continue where he's left off. He allegedly got, the reason his social media and all that, allegedly he got death threats, some, some nasty threats and all that. So if he has taken that all on board and decided, fuck you and come back to prove a point, then it's working. If that's his ammunition... It feels like you're encouraged. I feel like you, the angle you're going there is encouraging those sort of messages towards yeah, him. No, that's, a, no, that's no, definitely no, no, not no, what you're no, saying no, there. But no, 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 across no, 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 it's definitely not what I'm saying. I mean, you know, to give to give a player death threats and whatnot is, you know, a strange setup. Same as calling your manager to leave halfway for a season is another strange one. Yeah, I just think people people that's talking about Raul getting sacked are just for me. It's, it's they're not football people. They're, you know. I don't understand the mentality of that kind of straight grabbing hold of it. Yeah, row it. At, based on what? Who are you getting in? Like, w- what are you going to change? And I agree with Neil. Yeah, it's very frustrating. The Middlesbrough game, he's sitting down there taking notes or he, he might be doing a crossword. Uh, uh, that is frustrating and we don't want to see that. However, we're not getting tonked most of the, most weeks. Talk about him losing the dressing room and that's where that Bristol City showed. How, based on what? You know, where, where were the he's lost the dressing room or he doesn't know how to make change? Where is that coming from? I, I don't understand the mindset of people that just constantly feel the need to criticize without 
basing it on fact, basing it on what what they see. And that's in that situation, calling for Rowett's head after after a, a bad. If we if you do that in football, we'll end up like bloody Watford with six managers a season. Do you know what I, I mean? You, I agree. I agree. I think the problem is is that you know with Woods not playing which will fire you up again. Woods not playing, we look like a completely different team. Everyone in the team seemed to be playing different, going back to the formation, worked. But do I think the rally needs to be out or is it an experienced manager and he done not what he's doing? No, I don't. But what we don't know is how much has COVID and this current situation had an effect on the players? Have we been training in the same way that we would be training without COVID? Are the players training together? Are they doing solo training and et cetera, et cetera. We don't know. So there could be lots and lots of different entities at play here, what we don't fully know about. Um, I think we are training together, Mickey. I think the underlying thing that's killed the club is... I don't know if we are. No, I think we are. We, we are. are, we are, yeah. I've been we past are. the training ground. We yeah. are, mate. Yeah, it is. Everything's normal. And um, yeah, you did say Rowlett, by the way. I did notice it. And I wanted to call you out on it, but I didn't. But... Um, Nice reviews to come in for that one, but <laughs> but yeah, no, I think I said diff- it on purpose. The difficulty is obviously we've just we've not had fans, and I think that's really killed us. And I hope uh, we're not going to get him for a little while anyway. We're not going to be able to see him for a little bit longer. But you know, going into January, we need to back the manager and see what he can do. I think we need to. It's difficult times, you know. We've had Kieran from the Price Football come on, and Mills losing ten million pounds in the last in the last financial year. It's probably going to be more because there's less fans, obviously, less matches for them to come to as well. It's going to be tested times, but we need to back him, don't we? And hopefully get some signings in. I mean, Kai, like, what areas do you think we need to improve in? If you was asked that question, if you row it, what would you be looking to do if you had the opportunity to? Uh, for me, it depends massively whether Parrot and Zahor both stay. If they both stay, then I think we're we're fine um, in the striker department. But I would like to see a left winger come in, um, someone to sort of challenge uh, Bennett and Mahoney and give a bit more competition to Jed as well. Um, I'd also like to see a central midfielder come in, someone like Jason Malumbi, mm-hmm. and also a central attacking midfielder, uh, a number ten that would sort of play in behind and, and, and give opportunity. But the question is, is that um, obviously that Danny McNamara coming back? So that's good. That gives um, cover to Marlon. Um, but yes, yeah, so I'd like to see a centre midfielder, number 10, a left winger, and obviously depending whether Parrot and Zahor stay or not, then obviously if, we, if they left, both both um, both be replaced. But apparently, uh, obviously, Scalak and um, see if Scalak goes. If Scalak goes, I guess we'll replace him as well. So we'll have to see what happens. That'll be an interesting one. I think if we can move some more Deadwood away. I mean, Conor Mahoney, you mentioned there, and I know he's been injured the last few weeks, but I feel like he's having opportunities to impress. He had some earlier in the season. Are we going to see him come good, Tony? I mean, I'm not sure with Mahoney. I think I think he has come good. You know, I think just that you know, just when he's starting to look good, he picked up an injury. Um, he's a game changer. You know, not consistent, but that comes with a run of games. You know, you only get consistency if you're consistently playing. And I think that he's always he's looked good when he's you know when he's had a run of games. He had a run of games before the injury, and he was starting to to make a difference in games. Um, I, the, 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 pro- the problem we've got is that we have far too many... Like, we fully rely on Jed. Our, our create, our, the creativity in the final third is fully down to Jed making the right decisions. Because when we have the wing-backs go forward, they, you know, it's useless. You know, whether it's Malone, whether it's um, Murray Wallace, whether it's um, Marlon Romeo, their balls into the box are atrocious. But it's only when you have Fergie or Jed on the pitch... That, that we actually, because we should, we, we never attack through the middle. 
everything comes down the channels. And so we, we need, and that's why it's nonsensical that sometimes, you, we, you know, we've brought Smith on and took Mahoney off. And you're thinking, no, you need that crossing ability. But Mahoney can put in a, a, a fantastic ball. You know, Ferguson can put in a fantastic ball and so can Jed. We look dangerous when we are able to give, you know, our quality players time on the ball. And I think Mahoney's got that. You know, we've, we've, it's going to be massive because we're going to get Billy Mitchell back, who's going to add strength and depth in depth in, in a central midfield position, uh, not at right back where he played as a, as a makeshift right back like, uh, like Leonard's. I think we, you're getting to haul back if we can keep him, like Kai said. That's massive because I think he's an excellent striker. He's definitely championship level. He's, he will score goals. Um, and that's not based on really what he's done in the mill shirt, but what he's done um, through his, uh, for, for previous clubs. You know, getting get Mahoney back, Mitchell back, and Zahor back. That's like three new signings. If Parrott stays, because there was talk that he's going, you know, the amount of um, journalists that, that, that said that he's going, but they, based on one source, we don't know whether he's staying or whether he's going. If he's fit, it would be really interesting to see him, because what he's, what he's done far too wrong in my opinion is he's a striker and he keeps dropping deep you know obviously he's a number two. you want him to be in and around the box and, and and taking shots I'd love to know the stats on how many shots Parrot has actually had on goal because I bet it's under five I cannot I I cannot remember have him having many many um shots on target and that just shows you you know we brought him in as a striker and he's not he's not getting in the position to to, to have shots on goal and we do need to we do need to strengthen, but I think Murray Wallace should be playing at left back every single week. I think he's absolutely superb and, and underrated, but we do need cover for him. You know, Danny McNamara coming back from St Johnston is massive. You know, I think he's a fantastic player. You know, he's, he looked good in pre-season, you know, good going forward, good going back. I know the Scottish Premier League is not the same level as the Championship, mostly, you know, obviously other than the top two. But I think he's going to be a massively quality, quality addition. You've got Hayden Muller coming through, who looks like he can step up to the next level. So we've got a bit, but we do need to back the manager. You know, you know, Rowett has bought well in the past. I think if he's given some money, if we can get rid of Skelat, because he shouldn't be a, he shouldn't be a professional footballer. If we get rid of players such as that, we and then because because Skelat's one of the most paid players at the club, we get him off the wage bill. We bring someone else in. You, you know, there's every chance we can we we, we should be looking to, to finish 11th and 12th, and then see where we are in March, and we can always push forward. But we need to. We need to back row it 100% at this stage. You bring me neatly onto the predictions. I mean, should I jump in there, Mickey? But I mean, you know, I'll come to you actually, Mickey, for this one. What are you thinking for the rest of the season as a whole? I think we'll be all right. Um, I think we'll probably do a nice little push once we get Parrot back fit with Zahor. And I think that, um, I think we'll have Jason back in January. Um, I've got a feeling that Romeo will be gone in, in January. And I think that's why we've recalled um, the young lad back just to give us um, a replacement for now. Um, Do you really think he's like Absolutely. Oh, yeah, I think so. Based purely on what's happened in the last month? Basically, with everything that's gone on, hearsay with everything that's gone on as well, read between the lines, I think it's possibly that it's probably going to be untenable for him there. And also I can see agents and everyone else working as best they can to get him out of there. Um, and I think he'd go. I mean, there's rumours. There's rumours floating around how much we're possibly going to get, etc., etc. And I think the club would be right to cash in if they can get a couple of million for him, cash in. I, I don't know where I sit on that. I mean, admittedly, Romeo... He's a good player, and he's great for us, but if he's not happy with us, 
then well then yeah of course if that's the situation we don't need him here do we that's the problem I, he strikes me as quite a loyal person like in his interview after the game at derby you know yes he came out and criticized the fans that booed however he also said how thankful he is to Millwall and how you know Millwall gave him his opportunity when Arsenal knocks him back when Gillingham knocks him back so you know in, in the youth days I feel like if he wants to go then of course don't stand away from him I suppose in that sense but I think there's more. I think I don't think he's that kind of person that will just throw the towel in. I, I don't know if you disagree, Tony. What do you reckon? Well, I've got to be honest because I was at the QPR game. I was lucky enough to get in the ballot of the QPR game. And so you were number eight then? Uh, no, I was. I, I was in the B group. But, um, B with a bit of A. <laughs> yeah, B with a bit of A. Um, otherwise, I'd have been at the Derby game. But um, I was really disappointed with Marlon. I've got to be honest. You know, he. You know, we sit in the Docker stand, and he. Every week he comes out, you know, the players run over, clap us before the game, and he didn't do that. You know, he, he deliberately ignored the fans. He didn't um, have any interaction with the fans whatsoever. You know, there was a lot of call for support from him. A lot of people shouting out, we're behind you, Marlon. Ignored it all. There's no thumbs up to people. And I think maybe, yeah, it might be raw, but I think he's taken the wrong end of the stick in terms of what Mill fans really, really think, rather than, rather. I think he's listened to the media part of it rather than, you know, actually talking to Mill fans because a lot of them would have told him, you know, that 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 well they did tell him that they were fully behind him and and, and fully behind the cause of of what he what he was standing for, but he disappointed me that day and I think that maybe it's because you know maybe he has cut us off you know maybe what Mickey's saying might be true I I, I don't I don't know and footballing wise he, he's an up and down player you know sometimes he looks really good and sometimes he's you know he's He's a 50-50 player, makes defensive mistakes, makes good tackles at the back occasionally. Going forward, he's, he's, he's far too indifferent. You know, runs well with the ball, but what he does at the end of it is generally useless. So I think, I personally think I would bring Danny McNamara in and regardless of, of, of whatever went on with Marlon, I'd, I'd, start, I'd start Danny McNamara over Marlon anyway. So that, that's where I stand on it. Be interesting with the competition there. And if Mylon does stay for a bit longer, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, Neil, what do you reckon about obviously Romeo potentially leaving and obviously the prospects of McNamara and also who you'd look for in the January window? I think you've got to be careful with the Marlon situation. I think you can't be accused you can't be accused of forcing him out the club. And that is the way this could come across because of everything that's gone on. He ain't worth two million quid. Yeah, if somebody you'd be yeah, surprised in these in these days. Somebody wants to pay two million pound. I'll pay for the Uber. Scott Malone yeah. went to look at Scott Malone. He went to um, Fulham yeah, he for he left Cardiff for I think a million. So I mean, if you look yeah. at Scott Malone, to be honest, yeah, he, he, Marlon Romeo is a decent player. But as Tony said, yeah, we've all seen he's got no end product. Yeah, he gets the ball, he bombs up there, he gets in a position, then it ends up in the stand. Yeah, but could he play could he play in the Prem for a lower team in the Prem? No, no chance in hell. No way. Yeah. yeah, there's more chance of you playing in the Premier League. Yeah, there really is. And as for other signings, I'll be controversial here. I'd send back Zorho because well, we've had three games out of him. Yeah. So he started his first game, yep, and he's got injured. He's been out ever since. 
Yeah. What's not to say that he isn't going to get injured again and then we're lumbered with his wages? I'm not sure. I'm not sure how long his loan is. Yeah, well, I think it runs out in the middle of January. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly when it does run out. So, but if he, I suppose, maybe the next couple of games could be in a shot window for us. Yeah, but that, yeah, I think the reason is he has to prove himself in those. Yeah. And he has to prove his long term fitness. He isn't a player that stays fit for long. Yeah, but he's worth a fortune. So the reason he came to us alone was hope hope that he was going to play and come on fire. So come January, they they can then say, look, he's been in the shop window and hopefully offload him for, you know, a good percentage of what they paid for him. But where the fact he got injured, he's not going to do. So potentially we're going to, we might get him for the end of the season and then they'll put him in the summer. Or his injury record is piss poor. Yeah, but... So, yeah, but Bart's got a bad yeah. knee and, and, and uh, you know, Bennett's made a glass. Yeah, but we need they're all players. doing. We need players that are going to play games. Yeah, we ain't going to go down because I don't think the bottom two will certainly stay as we are, as yellow as they are now. And I think Rotherham might probably fill the other spot. There'll be two or three clubs, but we ain't going to be one of them. I think that... We need to look at our striking options. Interestingly, despite the fact that that the that the so-called Twitter journalists are saying that parrots going to be recalled, it's not going recalled. anywhere. Yeah, Gary Rowett has not addressed it in two or three media things that I've read in the South London Press and the Southwark News. So I don't think I think we only need another striker. If if Zaha or Zaha, whatever he's called, goes back, yeah, and then we might need another. I mean, I'm not being funny. You're a journalist, Neil, right? If if Parrot was going to come back, right? If Parrot was leaving, Tottenham press office would have would have given confirmation to say at the end, you know, end of December, he would have done it. We'd be going back. There'd be something official, one either either a denial or confirmation from Spurs, and there isn't. There's a recall in the contract for a start. Yeah, we don't know what the terms of the contract are. Is it somebody putting two and two together? You don't know. Yeah, you don't. What? I mean, yeah, I reckon Rab- in his in his contract yeah, it probably Rab- says if he's fit. Yeah, I reckon in his contract it says if he's fit he has to play every game. Which you know, but you don't know whether or not he ain't playing because he could have COVID. He could be round players. He's having to stay, you know, clean or whatever. So you don't know. But I he, think if there is, there'd be more notification if he's going back rather than a couple of two bob. You know, teenage journalists on Twitter yeah, no, no, making up no, stuff. I quite agree with you. I, I, I quite agree. I think we need another midfielder. We definitely need Malumbi back. Yeah, probably. Yeah, like, you know, I quite agree with Kai. Actually, I think we need a wide player. We don't need an awful lot, to be quite honest. Well, we need to get Skalak out of the club because he's a wage thief. Yeah, well, let's be, yeah, well, let's be honest about it. Yeah. He can fuck off back to Czechoslovakia tomorrow, and I don't give a fuck because all because all because all he's done is take the piss since day one that he walked into this club, picking up eighteen twenty grand a week or whatever it is. Allegedly, yeah, Allegedly. yeah, well, whatever it is, yeah, if it's eight hundred to eight hundred to a grand. It's still too much. Yeah, exactly. Allegedly, it's a disastrous fucking signing. Yeah. And yeah, but let's just get rid of him because he could drive his fucking Ferrari or his Porsche into the fucking training ground every day. <laughs> Tune in next week for another edition of the Select Fan Club. Yeah, but he runs around for two or three hours. 
then gets back in his Porsche or his Ferrari and fucks off to wherever he's living. And he's getting paid for that. He, oh, mate. Yeah, well, yeah, no, yeah, no, let's not get on that one. Right. Yeah. I think we're coming towards uh, an actual ending to this show. I think we've covered 2020 as a whole. I'm going to put you guys on the spot. And I'm going to come to Kai first on this one. Who's your player of 2020? I feel like we might all have similar answers, but we could be wrong. Uh, for me, it has to probably be one of either Bart or Jed's one of them ones that's always out there, isn't he? But for me, it probably has to be Bart. I think Bart's been tremendous since he signed. Obviously, you know, when he signed, he was um, he was going to play second choice, wasn't he, to Frank Fielding until, he, until Frank Fielding uh, got injured. And yeah, that's, that's kind of been a blessing in disguise ever since, hasn't it? Imagine how that would have worked out if Fielding stayed in goal. Cool. You never know, do you? I mean, the talk was obviously Bill Kowski's knee was a bit dodgy. That's why we signed him alone, wasn't it? But yeah, I think I have to agree with Bill Kowski as well. I think it says a lot about Millwall. We've always took a lot of pride towards defenders. I think Jake Cooper needs to get a notable mention as well. I know you might not say he's a 7 out of 10 or 8 out of 10 most weeks, but the consistency levels he gets, gets to keep playing week in, week out. And says a lot about him obviously missing that one game, but back in the side off the Stokane's shoulder, I think. Maybe Cooper might almost edge it, but I think Bill Kowski is a good mention. What about yourself, Tony? Um, for me, it's between... I like a, a top three. Um, I think Bartosz has been probably the standout player. However, this season more than last, you know, he, he's had a few errors. You know, he saved us in a few games and also cost us in a, in a few mm-hmm. games as well. Um, so he probably wouldn't be my player of the season just because of that. He was my player of the season last year by 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 a country mile because I don't he made very he only made one mistake that I could remember where he tried to clear the ball and and didn't it got caught in possession this year he's made a couple of saving errors which I didn't think he would have uh, would have done um, I, I think that obviously offensively wise you know Jed Wallace is one of the best players in the league creates so many opportunities scores worldies every now and again um, you know ten goals ten assists for last season continued it well this year you know he's he's a dangerous player and, and we look you know the reason he plays every single week is because we have no one else in the team that can do what he does and I know it sounds funny because I was going to say a top three but Hutchinson and Cooper you know when they play together are such a good centre-back pairing they deal with anything that goes into the box and they they, they both complement each other really well because Cooper covers so often for Hutch because Hutch is the best player one of the best players in the league intercepting the ball but if you're going to go and intercept the ball, occasionally you're not going to get it. So in that instance, you need someone to cover behind. And Cooper, they read each other's game really well. And I think as a, you know, I'll give them, a, I'll give it as one. But um, Cooper and Hutchinson as a, as an and as as a one player are a superb partnership. That I think are underestimated by a lot of Mill fans. To be fair, not enough people talk about how good they are. Um, we have, we haven't had a, a partnership this good. Um, for a, for a long time it's, it's weird because we play back three but when them two are together they look fantastic I have to agree I think you know it's true like the pair of them are probably I think stand out when you put the two of them together in the division and they're playing together you're right I think the pair of them as a combination is one of the best in the league I would ask Mickey but he's going to say Ryan Woods is his player of 2020 anyway so we'll go on to Neil and see who he's going to say instead <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say Murray Wallace Okay. Week in, week out, is a steady Millwall performer. Yeah, he. What you see is what you get from Murray Wallace. He came in, he was a fucking disaster. We thought to ourselves, what have we signed here? But 
every week he plays or every time he plays, he just gives everything, doesn't he? It's a carbon yeah. copy of Andy Frampton and his time yeah, at Millwall. Carbon copy. As, as we've said in the past. Okay, it's easy to say, Bart, because he was so good last season. It's so easy to say Jake Cooper because he made Lee Bowyer cry on national TV. Yeah. But to be honest, Murray Wallace is what you want from a Millwall player. He's effort. He isn't, he isn't spectacular. There's no frills about him, is there? But every single week, he tries his hardest, and that's all you can ask for from a Millwall player. Come on in, Ryan Woods, lover. I agree. Ryan Woods, no, I'm not. No, Ryan Woods is is what it is. He's, he's, he's 2020. We're going into 2021 now. And um, no, I, 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 the most underrated player has to be Murray Wallace as such, you know, what, what just does his job. But you've got to give Cooper some some kudos for the amount of games he played. What was that? 156 games or something on the bounce. And then he dislocates his shoulder, pops it back in and then carries on, takes a couple of painkillers and then carries on for that game. Then misses a game. Um, but real war, isn't he? He is real war. But the thing is as well, is that you've got to give Bart something there as well, because without Bart behind the, with behind those sticks, mate, we could be proper in trouble this year. Um, I know he's had mistakes and I know he's, he's cost us a couple of goals, but he, he when you need him, he can pull off some fucking miracle saves. So, you know, I'd probably go with Jake because I know a few people would want a few quid with Jake when he scores goals and stuff. You know, he's always, he's always a good 10 to one or above sometimes, you know, close to the 20 um, and he can win you a few quid. So I would probably... I'll probably go with with Jake only because he's shown himself to be real, real wall, playing with a dislocated shoulder, taking two paracetamol and carrying on. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go with Jake. I think we've Just... um, covered all of 2020 in, in its final fortunes. Does anyone want to put anything else to the uh, to the group before we fly off? I think we've covered 2020 as a whole. We all feel that 2021 could be a good year, I think, but a lot of it will depend on the January window. And I think that's a fair thing to say. Neil, you got anything you want to add? Well, yeah, we always live in Oak. We're Millwall fans, aren't we? And we love Correct. that. And we just want to get back down the den. You want that miserable fucking feeling that you get when you're walking out after some tin pot northern shithole has just fucking scored in the last minute to turn us over 1-0 after the referees turned down four clear-cut penalties. And Murray Wallace has two-footed somebody fucking throw eye to be sent off and you're claiming that it shouldn't have happened. I just want to be fucking depressed again watching Millwall and coming out of the and coming out of the cathedral of football after fucking finally meeting up with you and Mickey and fucking taking the piss out of us. I, f- I, f- I agree. I think 2020's been a bitch of a year. I think we've lost um you know, since the last time we played at Nottingham Forest, when we've had the last lot of fans in properly, um, to now I think we've unfortunately lost um, a lot of Lions fans, um, sadly, through, you know, illness, through COVID, whatever it is. But unfortunately, we've we've lost a few, um, a good few Millwall fans this year. Um, and I think rest in peace to all those Lions that have sadly passed. 
And I think the sooner we can get this out of the way uh, and move forward and, and, and start living properly again and, and enjoying watching live football and calling people to come, um, I think the world will become a better place um, because with no football sitting on Twitter, seriously, seriously um, affects our own mental health in more ways than one. It's fucking hilarious watching these wokes break down over stuff, but on the <laughs> same level, it's um, it's tiresome trying to, you know, trying to keep up with all these all these lefty stuff and all that lot. So uh, yeah, it's quite comical. I just want that buzz of walking out onto the onto the stands, you know, and seeing the game, seeing my heart out in Northern away day. Having four cans in the morning with my McDonald's breakfast on the train up. You know what I mean? It's just the stuff like I miss the most. I'm not going to lie. Having crack with friends on the train. But, you know, sooner rather than later, hopefully we'll get back to that. I miss. And, um, no, on. I miss. I miss going down to buy a beer and missing fucking 25 minutes of the second half. Well, and then going in the bogs and getting smoked out. <laughs> you know, when you go for a piss, you can't fucking breathe in the East Upper. Allegedly. Because the bloody... Yeah, because everyone's been smoking in there, and it's like I don't know. Yeah, but it's just choking. I miss that. So we've got two hours of goodness today, and I really do appreciate Kai from Mill Fan TV. Thanks for coming on, mate. Thank you very much for having me. And likewise to Tony from the drive home with Zach and Tony. Thanks, mate, for coming on. I much appreciated. Thanks so much. Enjoyed um, it. Yeah, and like obviously, you know, twenty twenty one is gonna be a new year for us. Hopefully, we can have lots of positive things to talk about of Millwall, and um, we'll be back very soon. Thanks for listening, guys. funding up to $10,000 available through net credit. Our online application process was designed to get the money you need quickly if approved. You can borrow an amount that meets your needs and repay in a way that works for your financial situation. And we report on-time payments to credit bureaus so you can build credit history as you repay. See what net credit can do for you today. Check your eligibility without affecting your credit score at netcredit.com. All net credit loans and lines of credit are offered by a member of the net credit family of companies or one of our lending partners. Visit netcredit.com partners for more information. <laughs> the first cup of coffee, it was awful. Meet Rod Johnson, co-founder of Black & Bold, a premium specialty coffee and tea company powered by Shopify. The journey of Black & Bold started with us opening our online Shopify store while we were burning beans in my business partner's garage. Shopify allows us to stay true to our mission by having an easily customizable and responsive site that make it very easy for novices to try their hand in becoming entrepreneurs. I was able to do it without any technical background, and I'm very grateful for Shopify. My advice to anyone thinking of starting a business is to just start selling on Shopify today. When you're ready to share your business with the world, grow it on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform trusted by millions of businesses like Black & Bold. 
Get a free 14-day trial at shopify.com slash free22 and start selling wherever your customers are with easy-to-use tools and friendly 24-7 support. Go to shopify.com slash free22 right now. Shopify.com slash free22. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.